Hey, Lights, Camera, Barstool listeners, you can find us every Tuesday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. What killed the dinosaurs? Yeah, it's AIDS! You want to come a job with you? I'm going to make you famous, Lizzie. It's not Al anymore. It's Dunk. Dunkachino? Don't mind if I do. I'm the Joker, baby. <laughs> Welcome to Lights, Camera, Bars to episode 18 of season two. Jeff Lowe, Ken Jack, uh, Chris Castellani, and John Feidelberg. Three movies tonight. First episode of 2022. We have three movies. Uh, three movies that... One is very available, and the other two are not. Uh, Licorice Pizza is wider now, though they, I think, delayed the super wide release. Red Rocket, very hard to find May 24. And Don't Look Up's on Netflix, so that's as available as it possibly gets. Still, you're, you know, I'm sure you have, if you're, if you're listening, of your friends' passwords. Shout out to anyone who actually has their own Netflix account that they pay for. Me? I got all my own shit. I pay that's the only one I don't. That's, <laughs> so that's my family's, and the rest are mine. Also, I kept making this joke when I was home in December because my parents are in, they're moving again, and they're in a temporary house. My dad didn't want to do direct TV just for like a temporary place. And so I kept making this joke to my mom, like, yeah, I'm paying, I'm paying for YouTube TV for you guys. And it turns out he got his own. I'm like, where was the offer? Why can't I use <laughs> yours now? I don't want to pay. Mm. Like, fuck that. I don't want to pay 90 bucks a month for this, however this is. I'm um, still on my uh, my parents' cell phone plan, even though I'm pretty sure I can get it like subsidized by Barstool at some point. I'm just like, I'm no plans on changing it. it. <laughs> yeah, I, I have no plans on changing it. Dude, I got kicked off when I was 18. My siblings still have <laughs> are on theirs, but it wasn't like I didn't get kicked off. What I was, a, I was a little fucking brat. And I was like, I want an iPhone. I want an iPhone. And it, we, my family had Verizon. And at the time, it was only on AT&T. And they were like, fine, we have to leave the family plan. And if you leave the and you have to pay for your own bill. And so I've been paying my own shit since I was 18. My, I, if I offered today, my parents wouldn't let me get off the cell phone plan because we're grandfathered in with the old, old, old unlimited data with AT&T, mm-hmm. which is like AT&T would almost rather come murder people than let them have that grandfathered in clause. But like, we can't break our contract or we lose like one of the greatest deals still available for cell phones. <laughs> so that's why I was like, whatever, I'm paying for YouTube TV. I don't feel bad anymore. Then I'm looking at, I'm like, I'm looking for all my recorded shows at home. Like, what you do? Uh, this is yours. Like, yeah, I pay for it. Now. The fuck? Mm-hmm. I felt like a, I felt like a decent child for like 10 minutes. Um, <laughs> anyway, three movies. Uh, very, very interesting in their own right. One movie uh, divisive for political reasons and like climate reasons. The other two are uh, one more than others because it's more well known have like weird things attached to them about like age and relationships. We'll get into that a little bit because I feel like you kind of have to talk about it. Uh, though two very different movies in terms of sentiment. Um, and one of these three movies has my favorite performance of the year by far. Um, so we'll talk about those three. No interviews today. And then we'll talk bottom five movies of the year. You can do it by ranking. You can do it by rating or just like your five least favorite. I'll leave that up to you. You can not a draft. We're just going to go one by one. Just kind of kind of knock them all down. Uh, before we get into that, though. This episode of Lights, Camera, Barstool is brought to you by, once again, 
the Jersey Shore family vacation. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, new season of Jersey Shore family vacation starts on Jersey. Do you know what day Jersey is, fights? Come on, dude. <laughs> Thursday. I'm a, I'm an adult. I'm a 33-year-old man. I was around for Jersey Shore. Don't you <laughs> tell me about Jersey. Uh, this Jersey, the Jersey Shore family is back on MTV with an all-new season of Jersey Shore family vacation. A uh, l- lot of situations. Literally the situations. They're learning how to be new parents. Uh, craziness. Snooky back for good. Uh, lots of new beginnings and all that and more. Uh, Jersey Shore, Paulie D, Nikki. They're going to take things to the next level. Angelina back in the fold again. Angelina, what a career on Jersey she Shore. She stunk. Her. She was terrible. <laughs> the worst cast member on this show. I was so happy when she got, well, I guess she left, but got kicked off basically. Uh, there's there's nothing better than leaving a show, finding out they're going to Miami the next year, than being like, yeah, I kind of want to go back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of fucked that one up. I have a, I have a quick question because I'm, I'm, my Jersey Shore mythos ended like season four or five. After two, did she ever come back? Did she come back for like a reunion show or something? She uh, showed up. She was yeah. at one of the at one of the bars or clubs down the shore. Yes, uh, she was there, but that was it. Then she came back for this. Okay, okay, back for this. Yeah. Uh, so don't miss new season of Jersey Shore family vacation starts on this Thursday, eight seven central on MTV. Don't miss it. Uh, not a ton of news. We we did so every Wednesday. I said Thursday on Twitter. Uh, you lose track of time around the holidays. Every oh, Wednesday yeah. night in the evening, uh, we'll do a Twitter spaces breakdown of Boba Fett. I thought that was way. I know pe- people want the YouTube breakdown. Look, we're unfortunately not new rock stars or heavy spoilers. Like those videos, they are, it's a crowded space. They get it's all like the, the only thing they do. That's like their thing. Yeah. The only, we do a lot of other stuff. They're very good at it. it, it it's a lot of effort to put those videos together. And I know this probably, I'm sure someone's like, this sounds lazy. No, it isn't. It just, it's a lot. And it's hard to break through in that space and make it worth devoting all your time. So why not do Twitter spaces? No one else is doing Twitter. I thought it was great. I thought we had a good time with that. And we'll try to pull in more Star Wars voices on Twitter. Did a 30-minute breakdown. We'll try to bring more people in to get questions. So we gave our book of Boba Fett thoughts. I think I was a little lower on it than everyone else was. But I think we were all in kind of the same space. As Star Wars fans, I don't give a shit what it is. I'm going to be fucking happy. But in terms mm-hmm. of quality, didn't think it was quite as good, at least as the Mandalorian's uh, debuts. But we won't. Is this yeah. something that translates to the non? Mm-hmm. To the non- I don't think so. No? Mm-hmm. Not I yet. I don't think so. Uh, uh, an, an enemy of Barstool, who I won't name, said it was worse than polio. Um, and I said, I know who you're wow. talking about. He wrote it in the San Francisco gate. I yes. Oh, then, okay. Yes. But yes. that actually went into it. And this actually bothered me because I will say this, the Mandalorian was so, such an easy thing to get into, right? Because it really, it was new characters. Like there was no, if you knew star Wars, yes, it helps. But like all the, the hidden shit didn't mean you needed to know that to like the show. This right. one, you definitely need the backstory. You need the backstory of like, but like his complaints about it. I'm like, well, you're just not a star. Like if you're, you can't call yourself a big star Wars fan and then watch book of Boba Fett and complain about not like knowing a lot of the shit in there. Like, like this, this is one where I think like, if you're a fan, you'll enjoy it. Like, but if you don't know it, I don't know, maybe you're not, your defense should be, I'm a big fan. I, did, I, I don't know. It's weird. I know it sounds like a gatekeepy thing, but I don't like this guy. I don't really want to spend much more time on him. So I'm going to leave <laughs> it at that. Almost compared to the poll. I mean, well, I mean, I know it's like, I know that's like a, that's joke. a deep cut. That's it's, that's pretty heavy hyperbole to use 
for something like Mandalorian. It's a Disney show, dude. I mean, and also, I didn't love the first episode of Book of Boba Fett, but like, it wasn't that bad. And like, again, I know it was a joke. He's not the person not literally saying it's like polio, but I was like, all right, I mean, uh, dude, this season you, of Emily in Paris, it's like, it's like, <laughs> yeah. it's, like it's like MS to me. You yeah, say, like, thing. you. Like you say that for like the the finale of Game of Thrones, right? That just ruins like your last couple of years of liking a show. You don't say it for the first episode of like a pretty innocent show. I was like, yeah, right, well, it's a little. Dude, fun. I it's was. Also, it's Game also of one Thrones. episode. Yeah, yeah, literally. Yeah, Jesus. Someone, someone from uh, Game of Thrones. Uh, someone went back and replied to a tweet of mine after Battle No Battle of Winterfell, mm-hmm. where I I I tweeted a video and I just went, uh, Battle of Winterfell review and that was it and people were furious because it people hadn't turned on thrones yet so all of my replies were like fuck you this show is great this is unbelievable you just hate fun things yada 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 like hundreds of replies being like i'm the worst i'm a troll i'm lying blah 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 someone went back and replied to me and said i'm sorry for getting mad at you about this you were (laughs) correct and it was it was that's one of my takes that's aged like a fine wine and people were furious in the moment when you were saying season eight was bad people were like what are you talking about and then once it ended everyone finally the the cat the spell was broken everyone's like you're right that fucking sucked that episode was like a big turning point i think for people on thrones like in the moment like on that day sure i see a lot of people defending it but like over the course of that next week going to that next episode i think people were like wow that was a big bummer considering we just spent like what eight seasons of prep like all leading up towards oh. this big thing with the, with the walkers and it's just nothing when they came out when fucking uh whatever their names are when they came out and were like wait you guys watched it at home no wonder you couldn't see this was made for a theater or whatever the fuck they said so like, what are you talking about don't get we can't get into a throne soon this will be the whole bo- yeah. the podcast but uh i had a good take one time in my life that's my point here Here's a show that's been on for a while with many seasons that I, I just got back into because I have to catch up, by the way, which Ken Jack watched the show before I did. Wild cast of characters. Uh, the new season of uh, 90 Day Fiance, Bananas. Yeah. Oh, just yeah. absolute, absolute. There's this one couple. Oh, my God. He refused to stay in the room with her, and she gave him a MacBook Pro and a PS5, and he waddled on out back to his room. He's like, all right, I'm not staying here tonight, though. He took the <laughs> PS5 and MacBook Pro, and he walked across the hall. You gotta, you gotta respect yourself, King. Don't let that happen <laughs> to you. Uh, anyway, so that's, that's yeah, more Book of Boba Fett talk uh, in the middle of the week. Don't miss it. I think it was a lot of fun. You can join in. That, that was a cool way to do it. Uh, the Rock. Actually, I didn't even plan this. Fights had seen a couple of moves already, so fights was the easy one here. But this, I'll let you start. Uh, the Rock, in if you have to leave this podcast right now, but you want to know what The Rock said to Vin Diesel, I'll sum it up for you. He told him to go fuck himself. Basically, <laughs> um, Vin Diesel November uh, used Paul Walker, used his children as reasons for The Rock to come back to uh, the Fast franchise, and The Rock never really said anything about. It. And he finally did in an interview with CNN too, which I just love. Like it, it, it took, it took a cable news outlet, like one of the leading news outlets to get to him. Vin's recent public post is an example of his manipulation. I didn't like that. He brought up his children in the post as well as Paul Walker's death, leave them out of it, which I'm going to be honest. Yeah. I, I kind of see that. I got <laughs> very fair yeah. play. Very, fair. <laughs> very fair. Bro, but he, like, the, he, and he also called him little brother in the post. <laughs> yeah. So insulting and disrespectful the, which, for someone who is literally words. 
Yes, little brother. little brother Dwayne. It's like <laughs> insanely disrespectful to someone who is literally bigger than you in every single numerical or statistical stat there possibly could be reported <laughs> other than age. That's literally it. Which actually now, and didn't he? Okay. All right. Okay. Fights. You are though. Your your team your team fast family. I is this I, defensible? I am, what's that? Is this defensible at all? Is 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 the Rock not coming back defensible? The, is Vin or, Diesel's like like who who do you side with after this comment? Basically, I honestly think everyone's right. This is like I have I am I am fence sitting. I have the pickets right up my ass on this one. It is <laughs> the Rock is a hundred percent correct in not coming back. I I I would do the same if I were him. And Vin's right in the sense that like bro, come on, we got to finish the, the series. I think that it will suffer without him. I think it has suffered without him. I think that probably Fast 8? No, 7. 7 was the last truly great Fast movie. I think Fast 8 was the last like pretty good one. Fast 9 was I haven't even gone back to watch. Um, I saw it in theaters and never went back. I I am distraught about this news, but if I was Dwayne Johnson, no fucking chance of my comeback. Although, like, I would come back. I, I think it was it Fast 7? Where they didn't do any scenes together. Fast six, they uh they have the forced perspective shot where like they're supposed to be looking at each other, but you can clearly sell it tell they're like separated so that they don't have to come in contact with each other. It's very really? have you ever seen this? It's so funny. I don't think I, I don't think I noticed that. I think fast seven, right? Because they're both in that one. I think they just they were never in a room together. Um, that makes sense. And it's all since then it's fallen apart. So I don't I don't know. It's it's this is a heartbreaking situation for me but it is it was bound to happen with this franchise when you bring in someone like that it obviously is going to tear everyone apart exactly it, it just it's, I, I honestly don't even know what i'm saying right now i'm all over the place it just sucks i'm it, of the I, I came back i'm of the mind that like the rocks should just continue and i don't think he wants to but continue doing like hobbs and shaw i thought was awesome i know i don't think you were a big fan right Did not care for it saw it once did it never went back to that one either it, I, some, it was it literally it sounds so stupid and cliche not cliche it sounds so lame but like it literally was missing the family aspect it, that, there was there that's was what i kind of liked about it i liked that that it wasn't a fast and furious movie it was very clearly doing its own thing versus trying to be an imitation of the fast and furious franchise and that's right. what i kind of dug about it that yeah that's fair but i, I got so sick of the fucking the rock Jason say them banter when it was just like, you're big, he's small. We fucking get it. Move on. They did. They did those. They did like three of those banter scenes where it was about size. It was better with the other guys like Rob Delaney and Statham. I thought was very funny back and forth. And um, I think Ryan Reynolds right in the rock. I yeah, thought were yeah. very funny back and forth as well. It is that that franchise was doomed when they not doomed, but th- this was bound to happen. When they brought the rock on and they started getting, do you ever read that Washington Post article about how, since there are so many A-list actors, how crazy it is on like what the editing and the, and the direction of the movie is where like every, every fight scene gets points and every, like, like you get, you know, three points for a punch or five points for a kick, whatever it is. I forget the system. And at the end of every fight, it has to be even. Both, oh, both in the geez. fight have to have the same amount. If, if if you throw someone through a wall, they have to throw you through a wall within the next five seconds or something like that. Like That's if you like, go back and watch the fight scenes, knowing this, 
and also knowing that there is never a winner in amongst the A-list actors on set. There is never a like clear. It's always broken up or something like that. There's never a winner of the fight because they all like. I think Dwayne Johnson came on and was like, "Yo, I, like I'm, I'm not losing a fight." And then everyone was like, "Well, fuck that. If he's not losing, I'm not losing." And from then on, I think it was this 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 ego thing was bound to happen. Once once you hear that, you're like, "Oh, they were they were playing on fucking borrowed time." I but think you, uh, that. Sorry, go ahead, Chris. Well, no, but what's funny to me is. Like outside, like The Rock is huge, right? And not just physically. I mean, as an actor, like he's the biggest, arguably the most recognizable like movie star in the world right now. And I know some people disagree with me on that, but like he's the highest paid actor. I Definitely think definitely is. Yeah, mm-hmm. like, but it didn't these movies continue because these actors' careers all died? Like, if you remove Fast and Furious from Vin Diesel's filmography, is he is he actually a star? Like Paul Walker was. And Statham, sure, but like, I couldn't. I think I think Vin Diesel, Diesel was because Vin Diesel was big with Triple X, right? Red yeah, and two thousand two. That was nineteen top. twenty years ago. But that's when that's when this was like. That's true. He, he right. left. Right. Right. He yeah. wasn't in Too Fast, right? He wasn't in Too Fast. No, he was in the first one, then came back for because uh, he left to do. Fast he thought Triple X was going to be the bigger franchise. Yeah, right. and then kind of came crawling back. Yeah, you are right. Like when you look at the movies he was been in, it's really but everything but, bombs. That that to me kind of becomes one of those debates where it's like, well, is he not in a, like could he have done fast one and then gone on to yeah. super spot him? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but like I think he's just like, well, I, these monster movies are money makers. I'll just do these. These are easy. Mm-hmm. The Riddick franchise. I mean, he has Groot. I mean, he's just in like two of the biggest budget franchise or biggest wow. grossing franchise oh, ever. Man. I know, but it still counts. He's in like these high. I love, roles. by the way, Mark Mark Ruffalo made a joke about that somewhere. I I think he was literally on a GMA live stream. And if it was if it was off camera, I apologize to Mark Ruffalo. But he was like, Mark Ruffalo got in a lot of trouble for going live at an event. And Marvel's like, what are you doing? And he's like, Vin, he goes, you didn't yell at Vin Diesel. He's not even in the movies. He voices of he voices the tree character. Like he, he just says one word. He's like nobody yelled at Vin Diesel, which that's exactly spot on. Like he is in these movies, but his voice is Groot. It's not. Yeah. <laughs> so he doesn't even do the mocap. It's yeah, Sean. It's like he says a lot. Like with Bradley Gunn. Cooper. Yeah, and it's not like with Brad, like with uh, Bradley Cooper, where like he's a little bit more involved in the actual process of the character of uh, Rocket Raccoon. With Sean Gunn mocaps Rocket. Rocket Raccoon. Yeah. I know. I know Vin Diesel doesn't mocap Groot. Groot. No. Oh my god. Chris wasn't a fan. Chris, you weren't a fan of Babylon AD. Oh, that movie. Everything he's made is bombed. The Riddick movies didn't do well. Fucking Bloodshot is one of the biggest bombs of like the last decade. They were trying to start a cinematic universe. Yeah, they were. And nobody saw it. So, no, I don't know. I mean, I I didn't know that. What's that? I think the, the worst I, offense I didn't know is, that they were trying to start a new universe. Oh, yeah. No, he was so, we're going to start a universe. He thought he was so in on it and it tanked. Do you know who was supposed to be him? Who was supposed to be uh, Dominic Toretto? Who? It was the only way. So I, I've obviously I've I've done I've read the oral histories and stuff like that. It's actually really great. I I strongly recommend the oral history of of the Fast franchise because it is so fucking cool to hear like think back on like like what it was like Paul Walker or they're talking about like getting like getting arrested going to actual uh, underground races in L.A. because they were also like except for Paul Walker they were all nobodies. And Paul Walker just did it. He was like, he liked cars and was like, dude, I just, I got offered a million dollars to do a movie with some cool people for a million. Like, I'll just, I'll just do that for the summer. Didn't think anything was going to come of it. Um, but the, wait, why am I talking about this? What did? 
uh, something about the oral history of who was going to play Vin Diesel. Oh, oh, right. Timothy Oliphant. That was so this the, oh. whole, the whole franchise, which I didn't know. The whole franchise is based on one article in Vibe magazine, I believe, about the New York City underground street racing scene back in the 90s. Mm-hmm. And uh, they turned this into a script. And then Universal or whatever studio originally had it said, we'll green light it right away. But you have to have Timothy. You have to have Timothy Oliphant on for Dom Toretto, and he wouldn't do it. He was. Mm-hmm. They, they thought he was great in Gone in sixty seconds. He's very not in Gone in sixty seconds a lot. Yeah, and that's like, a big role for him. Yeah, I was, like, I was gonna say, was he was he a star like prior to the like into the early two thousands, like before? Yeah, because Deadwood. Like, that okay, was I popping guess, off in the beginning. Was I, that? Yeah, it was a bit more before my times. So I don't remember when that premiered. What'd you say, hmm. uh, Ken Jack? I was trying to think of what your Deadwood started. That was 2004, though, right? Wouldn't Dom Toretto have been before that, I think? Oh, fuck. You're right. Yeah. Timothy Oliphant, often referred to on the show as Timothy Elephant. The, the hit, the hit <laughs> man yes. himself. Add that to the arsenal. This episode of Lights, Camera, Barstool is brought to you by Cuts Clothing. That is right. Cuts Clothing. They sell fantastic stuff. JQ calls it the only shirt worth wearing. Uh, it's got a very minimalist design. I actually wore one of their shirts uh, this past weekend going out. Looks great. Uh, it's work leisure apparel for the sport of business. You can dress it up, dress it down. Fantastic shirt. And you get 15% off, as they say, the only shirt worth wearing. Uh, cuts, C-U-T-S, clothing.com, slash lights. That's cutsclothing.com, slash lights. Buttery soft, custom engineered, tri-blend tees. They're fantastic. Rolls Royce of shirts. That's one of the best ways to describe anything. The Rolls Royce of blank. Fantastic. Cutsclothing.com slash lights. Get 15% off your order. Uh, speaking of Fast and Furious, the man that replaced Vin Diesel's character. Well, he didn't replace Toretto. I mean, uh, that replaced The Rock. He didn't replace The Rock, but they, you know, they needed another like buff wrestler guy. John Cena, Peacemaker. Uh, another trailer for Peacemaker. This debuts next week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This debuts yeah. the 13th. Very excited for this. Do you know that I, I watched this trailer? Um, I, I want to bring up exactly what it was. The DC official account, who when they tweeted this trailer, it had something like 600 retweets or something like, and it had 80,000 views of it trailer. Hmm, Obviously, that's not, that was, must not be the main one, but it was like a, a verified DC account. And I was like, how the fuck is this not? Maybe it's like embedded via Warner Brothers or something like that. Yeah, you never know. Yeah. This is kind of going to work weird. I think the show is going to going to pop though because I do think that Peacemaker is the best part of the Suicide or Suicide Squad, um, the the Suicide Squad. Um, and uh, I don't know. I think John Cena has just such a good knack for comedic timing. Like watching these, I think these other side characters that they're trying to introduce are more like in thinking for like this new thing that DC is doing where they're not it really attempting to be. We talked about this when we interviewed Zack Snyder, right? Like he said, like I, the, the, there's no point in trying to replicate the Marvel formula of like sort of lighthearted humor with a little bit of heart. Like we got to do our own thing. And his thing obviously maybe didn't click with everybody, but I think this new thing where it's a more dark and edgier sort of like humor attached to like more like an action based thing. I think that's working. And I think that the, the, the people they're getting involved are like perfect to start this new wave. Like Cena, I think is honestly, he's an extremely under, like he's obviously massive, massive star, huge, everything like that. I still think he's extremely underappreciated for what he is able to bring to the table. I agree with that. I, I think his, his, his community timing, as you mentioned, is 
really Bart, like there's no one who even compares to Hollywood as far I, as I, what, what else he can do. I think this will be good. I am. My big thing is I am curious though, how well that character works without Kinnaman, without Idris Elba, without Margot Robbie. Like there were big things, especially Idris Elba. Like that was, they, I, that's the bummer. And I, I get why, even though Idris Elba does literally everything. So I, I mean, I get, I feel like yeah. maybe they could have had him do it, but Idris Elba was my favorite part of that movie. I think that was the best, unless I'm missing that. That was the best comic movie of the year. The Suicide Squad. I still preferred that over Spider-Man. I, I loved that movie. Hmm. And I did think that was a great pairing. I trust Cena though, which is crazy. It's just, it's a, what a weird thing to say. Like I trust John Cena to lead this comedic superhero like series, but I, I don't know. I just, I, I kind of trust it. We'll see. I could, I also see a scenario where it's like not good. Like I, I, I wouldn't be shocked by that, but I, like, I don't have crazy helps. I just like, I just think it's going to be enjoyable. I just think it's going to be fun. I have, it feels like it happened really fast. Is that crazy? Like, I feel like they got yeah. announced and is airing very, very quickly, which is maybe, maybe yeah. a little bit considered was rushed, but I don't know. Well, were they making it before the re- they had to have been making it before the release of right the because they right. they were yeah. the post credit scene teased it yeah yeah and they, well, they, no, they I, confirmed yeah. yeah I I have a slightly different opinion on this I think it's going to be good um I do not th- feel as highly about John Cena as you guys do because really? I think what what he is I think he's really good as a supporting comedic actor he was very funny in Trainwreck he was he was good in the Suicide Squad but what I'm curious about is like he's this is the first big like he's the headliner of this and correct me if i'm wrong and i could be wrong outside of that one dumb nickelodeon movie that he made the only like action-based film that he's been in where he was the headliner and the lead star was 12 rounds like which was 13 years ago so what i don't forget about the marine the Marine, yeah. <laughs> the Marine, You're what proving a piece of my shit. point. <laughs> I mean, it, so I, I think that um, what I'm curious is like, I want to see if he can carry something to the finish line. Like it, it, it speaks to your point, Jeff, which is how well is this character going to work without the other character? Yeah, without the other characters around him. Uh, yeah, we'll see. It does look funny. It does look good. James Gunn is incredibly smart, and I, I like the fact that like. He's all over this. This is not some like, oh, I'm just producing it. Like this is his baby, and I I, I have faith uh, in that. But yeah, we'll we'll see. It looks fine. It, looks, it should be good. My hope what about is that uh, he'll, he'll play off well with some of the other cast members in this. Like uh, Vigilante, I think is going to be a very funny character, and some of the other guys that that followed up or followed over from the actual movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Steve uh, Steve Aji or Steve Ag, whatever. Um, the guy with the longer hair, the bigger dude. Coming back into it, and a couple other people as well. Robert Patrick, obviously playing his yeah. dad, which is awesome. Love, him. love Robert, dude. Yeah. He's the best. That's my favorite piece of uh, movie trivia: is like him and T two learning how to not uh, wince when he shoots the gun, so he looks more like a robot. That's so mm-hmm. fucking cool, dude. You know what? Uh, if we could talk Robert Patrick real quick, um, I watched uh, Die Hard two over the holidays. Mm-hmm. That was after Terminator, right? Die Hard two. It had. <laughs> Dire 2 was like 1991, 90? It was, was 90. It was, pre, it was pre-T2. Mm. Oh, it was? Yeah. Okay. So, because he's in it, but he he gets killed right away. And, like, he's almost like an extra. Like, he, like he's like a unnamed bad guy. Oh, and wow. I was like, I was like, what the fuck? Like, I, I, I thought he was a bigger actor than that. But I guess he was not yet. Maybe that's where John, uh, or rather, uh, Jim Cameron found him, was watching this. You never yeah. know. <laughs> Not a uh, terrible movie, by the way, Die Hard 2, for whatever that's worth. 
No, no, it's pretty good. Also, way more of a Christmas movie. Like that one's <laughs> very Christmassy. Very. Um, the uh, fuck was I just gonna say about this? Are the characters aside from Cena, the uh, the rest of his ragtag squad, are they uh, canon, if you will? Are they from the DC? Are they DC people, or is it just like uh, are they just rewriting a script here? A lot of carryover characters from the movie. Um, and I believe uh, Vigilante is like the big comic book character, like an old school one from um, just the DC universe. Is Vigilante the woman? Uh, no, it's like a guy. It's like he's um, uh, he's like going to be like the co back and forth, I think, with Peacemaker. OK, so but all, all those people like the no, because like there was the the scene in the trailer where the um, where scene is like shooting people with a shotgun and the girl like kind of doesn't know how to use a gun. Is she a DC character or is that for the show? That I don't know, actually. I'm not sure. We'll find that out. Uh, Other show, Peaky Blinders, new trailer. Thoughts on the final season trailer for Peaky Blinders? Uh, Thoughts on the final... My first thought is it very much annoys me that the Brits call seasons series. Series. (laughs) I love it. Like the final series. What are you talking about? It's not intentionally snobby, but because we're Americans, we're just dumpy people. It does sound snobby. Mm -hmm. So I like that. (laughs) Um, But the, I do like a trailer can't even really do anything for me because fucking the BBC, they do their shows are so spaced out. I'm like, what is even happening? I, f- I forgot. I forgot everything that happens in Peaky Blinders. I have no yeah. idea what happens in Peaky Blinders. I saw. I was like, oh, that's right. There are Nazis like that. It, when, when did when did this the the season that's available? When did that season come out? Three years ago. I, it feels like a, like three four years ago or something it like that. Crazy. Like so long ago. It's nuts. Um, and yeah, that was the the ending of the last season. I remember was like the British guy doing the Nazi speech and saying that uh, Britain should be not. Yeah, 2017. Dude, wait, no way. That can't be right. No, never mind. 2019, 2019. 2019. I was like, there's no fucking chance. But uh, yeah, that was that final moment for my uh, Peaky Blinders was that guy doing the big Nazi speech and saying like, oh, we all got to side with the National Socialists and all that. And um, uh, I, I didn't love that last season. I didn't think it was particularly strong compared to the other ones. But uh, I, I hope and I think that they will have find a way to wrap this up in, a, in, a, in like the right way. And I'm just curious how they... Uh, they handle or, or sort of work around what's her name passing away. Um, Helen McCrory yeah. played Polly. I'm curious how they address that. The, um, the thing that the, the, it's, that's very frustrating with how long it is between seasons is my dad is currently watching Peaky and he texts me about it nonstop, but I don't know. I, I'm, I have a, I'm like, dude, I have no idea what you're talking about. You're watching. <laughs> one. I watched that nine years ago. I have no clue what you mean. Like he was like, he texted me recently. Like, can't believe Arthur died. And I was like, what the fuck is he talking he, about? And then he tried to commit suicide. Yeah. I just didn't reply to it. And then he's like, oh, never mind. They got me. I believed Arthur was dead. And I was like, bro, I don't know. I have no idea what you're talking about right now. <laughs> you got to rewatch. I think that's a good time for you. Uh, you'd rewatch yeah. this season. Did, was there a day attached to this? Um, was it just shoot, I don't know. Let me double check. I had it up in front of me just now. Um, Peaky Blinders. It doesn't look like it. I didn't, I didn't think there was completely a trailer. Missing I missing it. I... No, it doesn't look like it. Huh. Yeah, yeah right. I don't see it either. That's weird. Uh, and then let's see what else. I think one more thing really light on news usually happens this time of the year. Uh, Winnie the Pooh is now in the public domain. Curious what that means. <laughs> uh, it doesn't mean as much people think it does. Uh, it doesn't mean that. You know, the former school make a fucking Winnie the Pooh movie. I'll read I'll read exactly what this means. 
uh, from the Diz Insider. Since Pooh and Friends were the invention of uh, AA, was it Milne? Is that his fucking name? I don't fucking give a shit. The company loses its exclusivity on the character. However, under the Mickey Mouse Protection Act, Disney would keep their own creations from the Hundred Acre Woods. Studios will not be able to use Tigger in their works, though. Uh, he created Tigger in 1928, but it's still under Disney ownership for a few more years. Disney owns the copyright for their Winnie the Pooh, so many adaptions born out of the book entering the public domain cannot closely resemble those in the magic kingdom characters and setting created exclusively by Disney cannot be used as well, including gopher, for example, as he was created for Walt Disney's cartoons and not in the books. Basically, if you went and tried to make a Winnie the Pooh movie, you'd you'd be sued. Um, Do you know, this is one of my favorite fun facts. Kevin, Kevin gave this to me. Do you know that that's the third most valuable franchise in the world? Really? Yeah. Just like with, like with inflation or, I, I I forget. I don't know exactly. It's one Pokemon, two Hello Kitty, three Winnie the Pooh. Huh. Or maybe maybe it's character. No, because Pokemon was one, so it's not a singular, singular character. Yeah, total revenue, it is, well, it's fourth, but it's fourth by a billion dollars behind Mickey Mouse and Friends. Oh, wow. Uh, I thought it's Mickey got that type of money, that. though. I think we actually used this list on the dozen. We use this as a trivia list. Yeah, it goes... Pokemon is number one by a, a large margin, eight hundred and nine billion, which is even crazier because it's the only thing in the top five that was created after the eighties. Wow! So ninety six yeah. was Pokemon. Everything else was seventies or earlier. Mickey Mouse and Friends and Winnie the Pooh, impressive eighty mil, eighty billion, but that was since the twenties. And then Hello Kitty and Star Wars are also in the billions. Makes sense. And That's that crazy is though that, that Winnie the Pooh has it like that. Highest grossing media franchise media franchise yeah which that that becomes a little interesting with like marvel because marvel that only counts the mcu mcu is up in the second tier with disney princesses um the wizarding world mario transformers barbie spider-man so that's really like it's like how like if you really grouped in marvel so how would it be if you grouped in disney's disney's would be like i mean disney owns just everything um yeah so shout out winnie the pooh Public mm-hmm. domain time, money banks maker Winnie the Pooh never knew it. Yeah, Pooh is, ri- is, is, is Winnie the Pooh the richest pantsless person there is. <laughs> yeah, guy can't afford pants, but he's worth like trillions of dollars. <laughs> that's, there's no time for pants. Um, that's it. And by, then, but we in- talked about this by the way, I almost forget. Uh, that is by far the least attractive look any man in the world. Like, there's it doesn't matter how hot you are. Yes. You be the hottest man in the world. If you have a shirt and no pants on, it's disgusting. Does not yeah. matter. It is what just a disgusting. Right. We talk about it's flipped. You can be a, a disgusting looking person and go shirtless with pants. And yes. in certain ways, it could you could play it off. No other way. No. You could be like literally Henry Cavill. Like I'm imagining Henry Cavill with a shirt on, but like literally naked below that. And it's still, I'm like, oh, like it's just, it's a terrible look, no matter it's, what. It's it's the reverse Incredible Hulk who can't lose <laughs> his pants. But then you have Winnie the Pooh who constantly, can't, who, who just chooses not to wear them. Dude doesn't even know what they are. Yeah. Winnie the Pooh, what, a, what an indecisive motherfucker Winnie the Pooh is. <laughs> I don't know shit about Pooh. That's why I was so surprised to hear. I was, I, was, I did not grow up in a Pooh household. Mm-hmm. I uh my this is true by the way my middle name is actually my official name is Christopher Robin I'm actually named after one of the characters really no I mean, way that's, that's, that is the guy that's the guy other than Pooh yeah that's crazy no. yeah that's the main cat in the Winnie the Pooh universe the only human right I thought Christopher Robin wrote it 
He did. That's not true. No, this is the character. That's the kid. But it isn't uh, isn't? I think the character of Christopher Robin is based off the writer's son. I think that uh, might be because they made I, that movie. I'm, uh, I am not questioning you, Christopher Robin. By the way, I was <laughs> I'm, I'm by no means I an expert. Under, I mean, I love I Winnie the under, Pooh, but I'm not. Yeah. CRC. I love that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then rest in peace to Betty White. Yes. Major rest in peace. Crazy. I mean, what? 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 What a moment that was. That was a great Twitter day. That Which was that fun. that's unbelievable, by the way. It is funny because Betty White, legend, and I didn't. Un, she's unfortunately I never had a chance to meet her at GMA, which is a shame. But I know based on stories, she lines up with all the other older iconic people in their genre, the fucking the the Julie Andrews of the world. The Julie Andrews is, is also iconic in like a very big way. But my point being, older celebrities are very nice and newer celebrities especially in hollywood are nice as well but like the older ones really don't give a shit how famous they were and they're just regular at like um sylvester stallone is very similar in that sense like yeah sylvester stallone like i met we we used to joke that we had to kick him off set right you had to get the fuck out of here dude like go leave like get out <laughs> like what are you doing here uh but so sh- it was not shocking the amount of stories that poured in just like how much people just like she's like yeah she's great just everything that you'd want but it's crazy because she's one of those people what do you when i think what what's one gift i'll see if you guys what's one gift you think of when you think of betty white and it's not of betty white it's the spray when i think of betty white i think of when you search her name on twitter a billion people using the denzel washington gif of him being relieved. Oh, okay, yeah. Because people think Betty White died. How many years yeah, has it been? Oh, Betty yeah. White dead. <laughs> you, you click on her name and you'd be like, oh, thank God she's alive. But it's crazy. I don't know why it's so weird to me. It can make it we're just so lost in Twitter, but like she passed away and nobody questioned it. Like, oh yeah, she's yeah, wow, fuck. Rest in peace. Legend. <laughs> like when she actually did pass away, we was like, oh yeah, holy shit, she died. And I will say the 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 one there was an article that there was a magazine that came out that she promoted from her Twitter. That's coming out. Like I made it to a hundred. She did not. She fell short of it. And somebody did say, it's like, that's such a great comedic timing from a comic legend to pass away. Yeah. Like, right <laughs> after that. yeah. So yeah, really sad, but it is, it's one of those ones where it's like, it is really sad, but also like from beginning to end, she was in hot in Cleveland for how many seasons, like in her late eighties <laughs> and nineties. Yeah. Dude, I, I don't know Betty White from anything other than like, being old almost like like she's like an old joke i never saw golden girls i don't know hot in cleveland i i am i i almost feel like i've done her a disservice by not you know you know when somebody dies like oh i didn't appreciate them i don't really know anything about betty white other than twitter saying she almost died and and like i tweeted when she died i tweeted like the her on 30 rock with tracy jordan doing the rule right. three but that's um, like her thing like that's such a that, good bit <laughs> yeah, yeah right, right. Yeah. <laughs> It's Should, uh, really weird that it's really weird to have a career revival when you're 89 because that like people forget that, that Super Bowl commercial was so fucking huge. Like mm. that was one of the original internet petitions was like, let's have Betty White host SNL. It was the funniest thing they've done like in the last like 15 years was they brought her on and she killed it. She was 90 and she hosted SNL and she did an awesome job. Like the 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 scared straight sketch with uh, Keenan Thompson. She she was awesome. Like she it's it's really amazing to be at that age and to never stop being funny. Mm-hmm. Always, if any of you want to, you should rewatch Golden Girls. It's on Hulu. I I also have a bit of a take here. Uh, watch, I guess. Betty White is proof positive that there's really no such thing as hot and ugly people. It's just uh, rich and poor people. Because 
I think Betty White was more attractive at 99 than she was when she got into the game. <laughs> You're looking at Betty White circa like 1950 pictures. Yeah, yeah, like how I, I, whatever age she was, I saw pictures of like her first show, or whatever, whatever age she was when that started. I think I think Betty White at 99 was better looking than Betty White at let's call it 20. The, by the way, they've they had they are all they've all passed away now. All four of the Golden Girls, oh, yeah, the Golden Girls, uh, that's right. Which she, Betty White, and B. Arthur late in their careers both had iconic Comedy Central roast appearances, mm-hmm. like incredible Comedy Central roast appearances. Uh, oh wait, we forgot one huge piece of news: fucking Joe Gatto leaving the Impractical. Oh Jones. my, yeah, that's actually what the fuck. I'll, I will let one of our two, one of our two main. Um, one, one, one of our two main uh, producers, Robbie. Oh, well, he's a Bengals fan. Congrats to the fucking Bengals. Um, another pathetic franchise. They just don't win playoff games. They win divisions. So very relatable as a Browns fan. Uh, I'll let it go. But he should, you got to know. We, should, we need to talk about Joe Gatt. It's a good save, Ken Jack. Yeah. What an insane news to get. Like as fucking counting clock, down the clock, man. As, as the clock is about to strike fucking midnight on the new year instantly depressed me like you would not believe like i'm sitting there like we're all having fun we're always like little like drinking stuff like that waiting for the ball to drop and just like get the alert on my phone from like three different things like yo joe gatto left the impractical jokers like for citing personal reasons and it like it it actually crushed me like Uh, in like a very severe way it was so sad are are we all in agreement he's the funniest one oh yeah he's the best joker me like he He makes me he made me laugh his hit rate and he was the most fearless of the four like they had no shame they had to adjust the criteria of the show just to make things harder because if they if they all went on the same scale, he would have won every episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I know. I mean, few things I have ever made me laugh harder and few things have ever made my family laugh harder than that show, and he's a big reason for it. I, I, I you know, I hope he gets right. I do. You know, I mean, I, he was, you know, I, it's going to be a very weird dynamic and it's almost akin to a sitcom, like the Michael Scott syndrome of like, I hope, I really worry about where the show is going to go now because all of them are funny, but the four of them together are hysterical. Mm-hmm. It's it's so weird, like just even like imagining it. But also, like one of the great things about Impractical Jokers is that like it's it's something you can watch, you know, with your uh, significant other, or whatever. You can watch it with your parents. You can watch it with young sibling. You can watch it with literally someone from any age group or any demographic, whatever. Everyone's going to laugh at it. It's just like one of those like universally great and underappreciated shows and people will shit on it whatever like oh everyone knows who they are now it doesn't matter joke's not there they fucking rock i don't care yeah. if you shit talk them all you want i think they're fucking hysterical mm-hmm. they are i i am not a fan i'm not i i feel like it's almost like they're almost like a nickelback type deal on the internet where people like hate it um and, and like very over the top hate it jokingly but i because we're friendly with Chris DiStefano and DiStefano has his show with Sal Vacano. I have come to learn more about them. And uh, I did not know that they were insanely wealthy. I I, Mm. I thought like the show did okay. I didn't realize that they were like bananas. Show props up a fucking whole channel. Swimming in money. But the, the, it, it is, it is tied to one of the great embarrassing moments, not embarrassing, but like, on the nose moments. I was my my ex girlfriend years and years ago. Um, she was obsessed with the show. She would watch Impractical Jokers nonstop all the time. And finally, one day, I was like, "This show is not funny. I do not like this. You have to stop watching." And she didn't miss a beat. 
and was just like, you only don't like it because if she, this girl worked at Barstool, she's like, everyone at Barstool is like this. You're just jealous that they're funnier and more successful than you. And it cut like the sharpest <laughs> knife I've ever been around. It, it took me down a trillion pegs. Whereas I'm, <laughs> I, I'm like, I'm like, you're 100% right. That is exactly the reason I don't like them is because they're more successful than me. And it was, it was the most pointed criticism of my life and career that I've ever received. <laughs> and it crushed me, shattered me. Hey, hey fucking sorry, John. You're no, you're no myrrh. <laughs> you fucking wish. I never hated it, but I didn't really believe it until I was told to watch. It. I was like, all right, I'll watch it. And I was like, oh, fuck, this is actually, I actually kind of love this. I don't watch it enough. It's not even necessarily about the pranks. It's just like they're such good friends. It's like watching like really good friends like hang out and make like fun of each other and shit. Like that's heartwarming. It's just what it is. Yeah. That's yeah, kind yeah. of what most podcasts are anyway. I was, that's exactly yeah. what I was going to say. It sounds like a podcast. Exactly. exactly yeah. I think what it is is it's one of those rare prank shows where the joke is on the people who are playing the prank. It's not like punked where it's like, oh, we're going to punish these celebrities. These guys are the victims and seeing them put themselves through complete torture and say like horrifying shit. And like it there, it, like you said, there is a lighthearted element to it, um, to what they put themselves through. It's been, yeah, it's been one of my, it's one of my favorite television shows of all time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh. This episode of Lice Camera Barstool is brought to you by Allbirds. Fantastic shoes. If you've been listening to this podcast, uh, been on it since 2017, I've talked about these shoes. Trilly's talked about these shoes. I've been wearing Allbirds for years. Uh, the Wool Dasher Mizzle, their weather-repellent performance running shoe, is the first shoe of its kind. Sustainably made from natural materials with a low environmental impact on the planet. I am staring at my shoe closet, and it's just fucking full of wool runners. But the Wool Dasher Mizzle, water-repellent. How about that? Uh, again, fantastic shoe. Not just the Dasher Mizzle. All their stuff is great. They have a high top. Like they've All Birds has... Some of the most, it's like walking on fucking clouds. They look great. Awesome colors, too. Mix and match their uh, their laces. I almost forgot what to call the things that tie up a shoe. Uh, it's getting cold out again. And even, if, fuck it, even if it's not cold out. Also, their slip-ons are great. For the summer, get, get the slip-ons now for the spring and the summer. Keep the feet cozy. Keep them warm. Keep them fresh. Keep them just feeling comfortable. Allbirds, A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com. High, high endorsement on Allbirds. Always have. All right, let's do some reviews here. They're going to be more condensed reviews. Uh, we will start off with, uh, we'll start off with, which one? Which which one? We're going to end with Don't Look Up. Okay. Uh, we'll start off with Licorice Pizza. Licorice Pizza, the latest movie from Paul Thomas Anderson, uh, who hasn't come out with a movie since uh, The Phantom Thread, which was only a couple years ago. It's been four years. Uh, There will be Blood, Boogie Nights, The Master, Magnolia, Inherent Vice, Punch Drunk Love, Heartache. Pretty fucking good filmography. Um, Very consistent. Paul Thomas Anderson is, is a fascinating person, too. One of the iconic directors in Hollywood who loves Marvel movies, funny enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, his takes on it are like mm-hmm. very funny. Uh, but Paul Thomas Anderson, I didn't love his last movie. I thought it was really good, really well made in terms of like all the technical shit. But again, good. But Boring. I was like, oh man, he 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 has more in the chamber than 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 this. 
and I felt licorice pizza was exactly what I wanted. Um, whenever I hear new Paul Thomas Anderson movie, uh, I thought it was fucking excellent. It is one of three movies that broke into the 95 and up club for me this year. Uh, Dune, my top movie of the year, uh, spoiler alert, uh, licorice pizza. And I, I still love, loved West side story. Um, I, I, it's a 95 out of a hundred. I think it is a fucking fantastically made coming of age movie. I know there is the people who do not like the age gap and find it very uncomfortable and weird, which mm-hmm. I, I think when you look in that sense, sure. I also, his comments, we'll just get it right off the top. He said it too. He's like, look, there's nothing there's, you know, the intention is not there for the way people are maybe perceiving it. You know, it, never crosses a line i guess like you know there is something at the end there but like i I don't know i think it comes down to some people don't like it or uncomfortable with it it didn't really bother me but i i don't know it's one of the things i kind of see i see where both sides are coming from here but i also kind of get what paul thomas anderson is saying and it just nothing here really was of issue but i get it it's a really uncomfortable thing to have to like read and but it actually isn't like watching the movie it's just not it's not no, and that that's that was my takeaway. It wasn't, but just the discourse around it is like, oh, uh, I don't need, like this. Like, oh. yeah, mm-hmm. I was like, I was talking to my mom about it. So my mom and dad just saw this uh, movie, and um, it was like, it's just not like like you you can do the wall if you did the shoe on the other foot, and if you made the guy older than the girl, it is creepy. And you're right, it is creepy in that case, but in this one, it's just not. It wasn't uncomfortable watching the movie. You know, I'm not advocating like go out, hey, 25-year-old woman, go out and start fucking 15-year-olds or start, you know, showing your tits to 15-year-olds. But it is, it's just not uncomfortable. He said, this is his quote. He said, there's no line that's crossed. There's nothing but the right intentions. It would surprise me if there was some kind of kerfuffle about it because that's not, which there ended up being a lot of kerfuffle. That's not the story that we made in any kind of way. There isn't a provocative bone in the film's body. And that, that, I think it's it's like, it's, he, it's wow. played off as young love coming of age in the 70s. Again, you can have your opinion. You can you can vehemently and angrily disagree with me. It just I, that's just where I stand on it. And we'll talk about it with very similar with Red Rocket. The Red Rocket, the sentiment is way different because yes. Red Rocket, you are not supposed to like the person involved in Red Rocket. Yep. Very different. Uh, but we'll get to Red Rocket. Uh, I thought however, that I thought that in in Licorice Pizza, I thought it felt weirder when she was with Sean Penn than it did when she's with. Uh, with Cooper. the kid, like when you see that age difference, it's like, ooh, this is weird. Even though they're both legal of age, yeah, like, this is, that was strange. Strong uh, about 60, sixty-five, and mm-hmm. then, uh, and but then when you when you see her with the kid, it's like, eh, it's not that weird. Um, so yeah, had to had to get to that just because if we didn't address it, just like it's all people talk about, and you just like Google the fucking movie. So I had to bring that up. Um, mm-hmm. however. I thought this was great slice of life coming of age. So funny and snappy. One of the best scripts of the year, hands down. Like I, there's so many funny lines and moments. It has, in my opinion, the best supporting actor of the year in Bradley Cooper. Um, I think that is such a fucking funny performance. And if you know anything about John Peters and we talk about that death, the Superman lives documentary all the time, you know, yeah. he's the guy behind wild, wild west, all that. Like John Peters is the real person. Giant uh, spider. And- yeah, right. Mm-hmm. He's obsessed yeah. with spiders, which just makes it funnier. I thought there were a lot of Ham was great. Cooper Hoffman was awesome. Yeah. Um, which I'm sure means a lot just to hear that for him, like with his late father and everything. Obviously, being Phil Seymour Hoffman, everyone in it. It just fucked this movie was is this was like this is everything that I love about Paul Thomas Anderson movies. There's just something there. You're like, that guy 
is truly one of the greats in Hollywood. So 95 of 100 for me, uh, Licorice Pizza. Ken Jack. Uh, I settled in on a 91. And I think the best thing that the movie does is successfully sort of like toe the line between a really kind of like unrealistic and crazy story to with like a very authentic feel. And I think that was a very difficult sort of thing to navigate because I, I, I watched this and it feels like a real slice of life movie, even though the plot is fucking crazy and not something that's believable. And I think that was a, a hugely successful effort from Paul Thomas Anderson. And he's obviously like, we talked about it a bit, like he's, he's an acquired taste, right? And it's extremely Paul Thomas Anderson E so to speak. And um, I think you see a lot of his previous sort of work echoed in this. Like you'll see like little bits and pieces of stuff, like whatever, uh, you know, Boogie Nights or Phantom Threat, like any of this stuff, like you could see it in here. Um, but I think it's really good. And I think that it's, it's a movie with a lot of heart. And I think it does a really good job of establishing the seventies world and like, you know, putting you into that setting, which isn't like, he's obviously he's successful doing it and stuff like Boogie Nights, but like, it's, it's just a difficult thing to do to make you feel that immersed into a time period. And I think he did it really well by doing that both with like the set design and also the soundtrack killed so good. So, mm-hmm. so, so, so good. The scenery was great. And I just was really, really um, impressed with how well he like immersed us into that. And again, uh, the story, the album, I'm with Jeff on the whole, um, just like the whole drama end of it. Like, it's not something I would have thought about at all. If like the discourse around it didn't, it wasn't present on the internet. Just, it doesn't move the needle for me at all. Um, I think it's, it's charming. It's awkward. It has like a very funny romance. That's it's, it's made by that chemistry between Alana Hyman or Hame and um, Cooper Hoffman, who are both, amazing um cooper hoffman man dude it's it's just awesome and it it feels really good watching that because obviously um philip seymour hoffman had such a great relationship with paul thomas anderson to see cooper hoffman do so well that was like one of the most heart just like leaving the leaving the theater experience like that was one of the most heartwarming warming moments for me just being like oh that's that's awesome little legacy moment um and i don't think that this is a movie where after i finished it i thought like this is a movie that's going to strike a chord with everyone like everyone's going to watch this movie and leave it and be like damn that was incredible amazing but like it's a movie that i think everyone can appreciate as like a work of art so to speak it's maybe not something you can enjoy but it's something you can certainly appreciate for what it was able to accomplish yeah i I agree i i think it was just art is a funny is like kind of like the best like that paul thomas and do feel like fucking art and that's what this feels like and any anything i mean i'm such a i'm such a, a a pig for anything la hollywood like i just i i love all that shit that shouldn't surprise anyone to listen to this podcast uh chris where'd you stand on licorice pizza uh you know what i'm gonna pivot here i want john to go next i think it would be best if i went last on this one fights you saw it fights you saw it you're because this movie's playing in like literally and you're muted by the way just heads up it's in literally three theaters it was like nowhere in the country and you actually saw it you walked by i saw it like weeks ago yeah, I saw I saw at the Angelica, I think it is, uh, on the on Lower East Side. Um, it is I I go I I I I very much enjoyed the movie, but I don't know how to rate the movie. First of all, I think you said it correctly when you said uh Bradley Cooper was great and probably gonna be the best supporting actor. People are making an argument for that he should be win best actor for this. I think that's insanity. No. I think you you need to be I've read a few tweets and a few articles being like I think I think it was Variety maybe did an article that he should win or at least be nominated. No, I think they said win um, best actor. You can't have four minutes of screen time. I, I and, and and don't get me wrong, they provide examples of people who did win it with less screen time or more screen time. And uh, you know, the, uh, Hannibal Lecter in Silence of the Lambs. And I don't care. 
you're right. It's like you're bringing stats and facts to the table and they're proving your point. I don't care about them. They, you, Bradley Cooper cannot be a best actor for this. Um, he was unbelievable. In it. Don't get me wrong. He was great, but he's just not, there's not enough screen time. Um, but as for the movie as a whole, I very much liked it. And, but I walked out and I was like, that was a good movie. And then like reading reviews and reading people talk about the movie. I want to like it more. Like I almost want to see it again to convince myself. I, I very much liked it. I, I give it a score in the eighties, right? It's a really good movie, but it was just like, it was just a really good movie. But then thinking back on the other side, I also don't have any complaints. It was a great movie. I, I very, I enjoyed my time. I had a blast. So I don't really know what to put where I don't have complaints, but I, I didn't have the love that everyone had. The X factor, so to speak. Yeah. It was kind of just like they were, it was, it was a great way to spend an hour and a half, right? Hour 40, whatever it was. It was, okay. although I will give it this. It, it, it did something that Red Rocket also did for me, which is something I don't typically do in movies, is I go, oh, that's a cool shot. There were a lot of very cool shots, both in this and Red Rocket. And that's not, I think, I think they both, I think you, you called it art. I was going to call it like a mainstream indie. I think they, and maybe I just see them more now, but they feel more popular. I think Red Rocket also kind of falls into that category. Right, they both very much have indie vibes. Like Paul Thomas yeah. Anderson, so, I mean, Sean Baker is like the indie guy right now, even though like, mm-hmm. is he? Because like, at this point, you just know, I, I don't know. I don't know what the, however you want to define that. But Paul Thomas Anderson movies always have that feel. Um, I, I, I get what you're saying though. And I think you get that a lot of coming of age movies though. I think there's a lot of people who love, like I, again, if you listen to this podcast now for almost five years, five we, we've we've done this podcast in five different years, 17 through 22. But, you know, like, like Ken Jack wouldn't be surprised that I like coming of age movie like this. Eighth grade, Lady Bird. Like, I, I, these are the, like, Edge of 17 to another one. I'm just thinking of, like, recent things. King of Staten Island. Mm-hmm. Moonlight. Like, I, all different types of movies, but, like, coming of age movies, especially Slice of Life, like, I am a sucker for that shit. And so I do always have that type of reaction. But then I think you're right, Fight. There's people who love coming of age movies or really enjoy them, but it almost it almost never like crosses like a like a like a level of being holy fuck where i i feel like some people myself included in on that do kind of get that sense it, and i typically like coming in movies too which is probably why i like this i like this movie a lot i don't love this movie mm-hmm. yeah no I, I completely get that chris i hate this part because I do this every week and I bring down the show with my fucking opinions. And I like, I, <laughs> so you didn't like it. I look, I acknowledge. Okay. First to people listening, I'm a complete prick when it comes to how I grade movies. I, I like, I, that's just, that's my person. I, I, I am. Okay. I'm not as hopeful and as optimistic as you guys are about life and about film. I, and I, I hate that because I want to be entertaining. I want to be funny. I want, like, I really do want to agree with you guys. I, I honestly, so like in advance, I apologize, but I, I'm start really, I'm, very adamant because this is a movie that actually goes beyond just like not liking it. It struck a real personal nerve with me. I can't tell you. And I'm glad you liked it. By the way, I am. I'm glad anybody likes any movie. I can't tell you how much I adamantly disagree about the relationship in this. I, I don't was, like, so it really bothered you. This is going to be in my bottom five worst of the year. 
Wow. I wow. I really, that relationship and that quote you read off by Tom, Paul Thomas Anderson is it's bullshit. It's absolute bullshit because his whole thing in this where he's like, oh, it's not inappropriate. I'm sorry. The movie ends with a 25 year old making out with a 15 year old and saying, I love you. That is true. You can do whatever the fuck you want in a movie. That to me is implied. Did it's, that is that the whole thing that took the movie down for you, though? Yeah. Let, let me let me backtrack a little bit. The movie itself before that. It's okay. It's well shot. Bradley Cooper for the limited screen time he has is very, very good. I really like Cooper Hoffman. I think he's going to be very good. And I'm embarrassed by this. I found out about two hours ago he was Philip Seymour Hoffman. <laughs> I, I, I didn't know. And wh- he I went doesn't back and I really watched, look a ton. He does. Other than the hair, really yeah. young. No, but when you, I watched, I went back and rewatched a clip. He has those mannerisms. Like you can kind of see mm. it. It's very similar to, uh, there's an, I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm leaving out an actor, but there's somebody in Hollywood uh, who doesn't look like their, their father, but ha- kind of has those mannerisms. Um, I just, I'm very, I was very upset by the relationship in this. And I really thought the main female character was a despicable person. I mean, she, (laughs) I, cause the movie began, here's the thing. The movie begins with him asking her out on a date. And I, that scene on its own, I found relatively charming because I'm like, you know, when you're in high school and you're young, everyone tries to, you know, has more swagger than they should. And just, it happens. But I was waiting for the moment in which the film acknowledged that this isn't right. And the movie completely embraces it at the end. And I was, I look, I, I know most people will disagree with me on this and that's fine. And I hate the fact that I get, I got to get heavy with my fucking opinions. I just, you know, but I, no, it is. Man, I mean, it is, that is the discourse around the movie. And, and, yeah. And in fairness to myself, I'm not the first person to point this out. Like this, this has been something that's been talked about. I just, I hate the fact, and I know you guys are completely genuine with your opinions, but I think this is one of those instances in which, this is getting a pass because it's directed by a guy who's made a lot of other really good movies. Like I know you guys really disliked and I did too, dear Evan Hansen, but I just thought that was a bad movie, but people were acting like Ben Platt committed a crime when that movie came out. Like it's just some <laughs> bad movie. Like it, that, that just happened that bad musical here. You have something that I view as substantially more problematic and it's eh, well yeah well you know what paul thomas anderson's great you know let's and again i know you guys are genuine i know a lot of people who, who listen to this podcast are genuine with their opinions it struck me repeatedly no it's it's completely understandable to be bothered like i i just it comes to the level of like i think how you view it. i i read a think piece on it. people were like like it just kind of if you start to view it in the sense of how that's contextualized like yeah it's probably gonna bother you how you watch the movie yeah, then, it's a it's a it's a complete no. difference of opinion because like John said that he watched the movie and it didn't make him uncomfortable. That's that's fine. I mean, that's that's that people people are going to dissect it differently and, and and digest it differently. From like the get go, I was like very upset by it, and it's a weird thing because I actually think this this actress, what Alana Ham is that or Hyam is that's how you Hyam, pronounce yeah. it. Um, here's this is a bit of a tangent, but I'll, it, I'll keep it short. I have a buddy of mine who hates phyllis from the office to a point where he hates <laughs> phyllis smith the actress like oh like he hates yeah. he jesus hates, he hates the character so much that when she well shows to be like fair thing, to be fair and he's a friend of barstool ken jack and i fucking hate yeah but there there's cause to that there's fair cause Brian, to that. he Brian ripped us off gardner oh, <laughs> and then and then he brought that and he brought that book into our office he brought in like the mm-hmm. oral history of the office 
which is like the size of nine encyclopedias. Get the fuck out of here with that. And he was like inside the NFL or whatever, Get too. The fuck not, a, not a bad analyst for whatever that's worth. Yeah, Kevin from the office. Nice, nice fucking guy, too. No, no but the, the, the point I'm trying to make is that, like, I hate. Let me start reading a few entries, Jeff. Oh, He's got his you. book right in front That's of the you. biggest fucking book in the world. Look how big Jesus. that book is. You've never owned. You went to college and you didn't own a textbook as thick as the oral history of the office. It's mega <laughs> thick size. 800 font just says Kevin Spill Chili. <laughs> God. All right. Sorry, Chris. Continue. No, no I just I, I got I, I don't want to. Uh, I got to finish the point. I despise her character in this so much that like I and she's not a bad actress that like I don't want to see her in other things like she I. I'm, I'm trying to keep it short. And again, I, I apologize because I know that this movie is bringing a lot of people joy. It's going to get nominated for best picture. It's probably going to win some awards. The set design, the costumes are great. Paul Thomas Anderson captures the time period of any movie that he makes. But I, I feel so self-righteous with this, but it's, it's a personal thing. It really bothered no, me. And it I, I me think it's interesting though, that you bring up that you don't like her character. Cause I will say if you don't like the character, like I think all the characters are, are kind of shitty and like they're shitty in it. Like the kids mm-hmm. are shitty seventies okay, kids. Like they're all shitty where I think if you don't like her probably more than most, you're going to have issue with the, with the storyline. Right. Like, the difference yeah, is yeah. Cooper Hoffman's character is a child. So like if he makes mistakes and fucks up, okay. And Bradley Cooper's character, it's acknowledged that he's a dick. There's really no point throughout the movie in which they say, Hey, this woman's like, like she's a bit she's a bit odd like the movie wants you to side with her um and i yeah i which is which me. is true because that's what we'll bring up in this next movie where it's way different yeah. than rocket, red yeah, and, rocket. And, and, if you I'll don't leave red rocket that. knowing that everyone's saber is the biggest giant piece of shit in the world like that's yes like, everyone in that movie is a piece of shit that's it's <laughs> yeah. amazing it's um like, no i mean i i get it like i i do get it that's like the weirdest thing because it's it's different where because there's another movie we're going to talk about, Don't Look Up, which has an insane amount of discourse around it, which I, I think is, which this is funny because we'll be on the opposite end because I know you love it, Chris. I have no strong opinion on that movie <laughs> whatsoever. <laughs> but like people have like scathing take. So people are making, are beginning to make up what the movie even stands for. People, I heard someone mm-hmm. talk about like, I was like, what? I, that didn't even happen when he wrote the movie. What are you talking about? Um, so we'll, we'll get, again, we'll get to that in a second. But all three of these. Yeah, I, I get it. I, I totally get it, but I don't have a problem with it. Like I, uh, that's like the weird thing about the discourse around it, but I, I would think, have an issue if you said the reason in like it was Skylar Gisondo though. Like, yeah, no, Jizman did great. Um, I thought I that was, he, I thought, I thought the whole back and forth with Cooper Hoffman's character and, and Skylar Gisondo was, was easily one of the best parts of the movie. I, the Jizman, we owe him an apology. He killed it. Um, I, I think the, maybe part of where I, I don't want to say, um, understand but like i get where the, the the age gap thing in the movie makes sense to me is like they did a lot of stuff in this movie that was it's just it's not appropriate you know there's a lot of like homophobic remarks there's racist remarks there's all this shit and they show you how like acceptable and like not like even thought about a second time it was in that time period like there's so many things that happened in the 70s where like like it was wildly inappropriate in retrospect, but at the time, everyone was just like, oh, yeah, it's just like normal day to day life. And I think maybe I, I sort of think in retrospect, like it was just like part of that, like that age gap is just that's something no one would give a shit about in the 70s. They'd be like, oh, yeah, whatever. Like people were like getting married at like 16 in the 70s to like 20 year olds, like really fucked up weird stuff. And I think they showed a lot of things in this movie that were weird and wrong. And just part of it was just like that 
the time period was just a, a point when everyone just thought that that was like business as usual, so to speak. So I, I didn't really take it as like, this is the declaration of this movie is like, hey, these these sort of relationships are okay, where it's like, clearly like, you should not be dating a 15 year old when you're 25. Um, I, I just think that that was like part of the era, so to speak. Right, right. But again, I, I, I can, where you and I may like, uh, I, I, I get it. I, I, I'm I'm not like shocked by it. I was kind of surprised that Paul Thomas Anderson, Paul Thomas Anderson was surprised that there might be, as he quoted, a kerfuffle yeah. over it. That does surprise me. I'd be like, you're a smart guy. Like, you gotta know this. It's it's the fucking internet, and it's 2022 or now with 2021. Like, yeah. no matter it what is, you say or do, it is slightly acknowledged when, when it's actually in the trailer. Even when she's talking to her friends, I think they're smoking a joint or a cigarette, and she's like, "Do you think it's weird that I hang out with?" Mm-hmm. I forget his name and his 15 year old friends. I think it's fucking weird. I hang out with blank and his 15 year old friends. Mm-hmm. So it is like, right. There's a slight acknowledgement. And, and uh, Chris, I do want to say it wasn't like when I was watching it, I wasn't like, this is totally normal. I was like, huh, that's a weird age gap. <laughs> yes. Well, yes. Watching Agreed. them interact. It was, it was like, it, it didn't, it didn't feel weird to me. And I, I want to put that out there too. I don't, I really hate when people, try to point fingers and say, if you support this, then you're supporting this thing. No, if you like the movie, you like the movie. I'm not mm. mad at anybody for getting enjoyment out of it, but I do think, and I'm admittedly in a very small minority. I do think that there's going to be people like me. And there are people like me who just couldn't get past it and who were like noticeably upset by it, but it's not, you know, that this is not some line in the sand where you're wrong for not, for not being uncomfortable. No, it's, it's a fucking movie, but I, I just I did not get you know I I got almost no enjoyment out of this. Bottom five favorite. It's going to be on your list, which we'll get to in a minute. I know, yeah. Um, but yeah, that I, I what this movie gets up for awards, you have to assume best picture. Mm-hmm. Um, you assume director, he may squeak in. I actually don't. I don't think Bradley Cooper will get nominated. Odds right now aren't on it happening, but there is a lot of buzz over it, so maybe. Um. A lot of hame. It doesn't. It doesn't sound like anyone's gonna get. But I, I thought this was his his best work, um, in, in in a little while. So that's Ken Jack and I have it high. I think fights. You sound like you're you're well above average, but not in the great territory. And Chris, we'll see I, where I'd it lands. I very much like to watch it again. I'd love. I, I I'd love to see it again, and then I think even more accurate. This, I, movie, I this, this movie with the Oscars it. in March. This shit ain't gonna be on streaming for like six months. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. this, and, this and, is gonna get like a really tepid release, and then it's gonna go big wide before the Oscars in March. For the sake of fairness, at some point, not soon, but at some point in the future, I will bite the bullet and watch this again to see if if that feeling that I had throughout the entire first viewing sticks with me. Um, mm. Because I do love Paul Thomas Anderson. I think he's brilliant. He's one of the best. Like literally, like in that upper echelon of like best directors ever. I just thought this was a substantial misfire. I do want to give a shout out to, I, I was right. I think it was in variety as well. An interview with him where I guess they referenced sort of um, the Tarantino who has like, he's like, say he's doing one more movie or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. What is a big famous director? I think it was Tarantino. Yeah, it's, it's And Tarantino. they asked him, they asked him about it. And the, you know, does he know how many movies he's going to do? How many more movies he's going to do? And he, he said something along the lines of, I have no fucking idea. And if yeah. I did, I wouldn't tell anyone. Or I, w- I wouldn't tell anyone when I'm retiring. Because that's like calling everyone who didn't invite you to dinner to tell them you're not coming to dinner. <laughs> yeah. He's fucking, I love Paul Thomas Anderson, man. Yeah. He's a smart guy. 
most recent movie was Inherent Vice at before Phantom Thread. So mm. I forgot about that. I actually didn't dislike Inherent Vice. I kind of liked Inherent Vice. Uh, that is Licorice Pizza. Red Rocket. Similar thing. And you can the discourse is just not there for this because movie isn't very wide yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's not made by as, as prominent of, of a director. Though Sean Baker is uh, proving to be very fucking good. Yes. Uh, Tangerine, The Florida Project, now Red Rocket. Uh, Red Rocket finding himself down and out in Los Angeles. Ex-porn star Mikey Saber decides to crawl back to his hometown of Texas City, Texas, where his estranged wife and mother-in-law are living. Just as this dysfunctional family seems to be making things work, Mikey meets a young woman named Strawberry working the cash register at a local donut shop. Again, same thing. We won't harp on it as long. Um, explain the situation. Uh, he mentioned the movie, said she's legal age of consent, 17 years old. This is a much more graphic movie in that sense. Uh, very graphic movie. Um, not like gra- sexually graphic. Uh, so that's another thing. People may have issue with that. Uh, this movie, though, Mikey, Simon Rex's character is very much a giant, vile piece of shit mm-hmm. uh, and is not redeemed whatsoever. Uh, it's as in one of the more insane endings of any movie this year. Probably the scene that sticks out to more than any scene this year. I take issue with this. Spoiler alert, by the way. What? For him running naked with his dick flopping around to Big bye 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 in sync. Good piece. Get a solid, solid piece. People forget Good. he used to be actually be a porno uh, or a, a porn star. Sort of porn star, yeah. Simon Rex? Oh, yeah. He used to sell a picture of his dick online um, with like his early career. Like, this is literally almost semi autobiographical, except for the yeah, fact where like he stopped doing that. porn. He stopped doing porn and started doing uh, scary movies instead. Um, Red Rocket. <laughs> I liked Red Rocket a lot. I think Sean Baker is probably a top five director in Hollywood right now. Um, Sean Baker has a way with making a movie. First of all, the, the way he portrays like these types of communities and like it's definitely like people are, like mm-hmm. pour into families and stuff. It's it's mm-hmm. pretty incredible. Like he has a a not just style but type of story and type right. of like family and community and person he wants to like tell a story about. And all three of these movies, I just said, The Florida Project, Tangerine, and Red Rock have a lot of similarities, but a lot of differences in that sense. Um, Sean Baker is money. I thought Simon Rex was the best performance of the year. I thought he was fucking... Wow. I thought he was so fucking good in this movie. He is such a scumbag in this movie. And Bro, just, what are you guys talking about? You like is, Mikey Saber? You think he's you a good You like Mikey Saber? Dude, I, I mean, I don't think I'm not giving him like scumbag piece of shit territory. He's like, I feel like everyone's got what? he caused I mean, like he, a multi car pileup and blamed it on someone how else. Did he, how did he cause a multi car pileup? His actually, that, I will say, if if I was to if 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 I was to put one part of the movie up for him, wait, do you agree he was he was good though, right? Performance wise, oh, yeah, unbelievable, unbelievable. Yeah. That yeah. that whole section of the movie. And actually, I will say, so I gave it a 91. I do think, and this is rare. You, I don't say this very often. I think it was a little long. And I, I thought they, were, they, yep. they could have tightened mm-hmm. it a little bit. Yeah. That's a small fucking complaint. The whole part where he is waiting to see if he's going to get in trouble for the car crash. That mm-hmm. was why I thought he's nerve wracking. His, his, yeah. He was just, oh, like his, his anxiety sitting on the couch, telling him to shut up. He's watching the news. Like, I want to see what's going on. Like, he was, yeah, yeah. He was so fun. And, and he, I do not think, is going to get nominated. I think he's absolutely going to get squeezed out. But mm-hmm. I, I, he was, it was absolutely my favorite performance of the year. I gave it a 91. I thought he was, I can't believe you thought, I, I thought, Kendrick, I thought, your neck. I thought his best scene. Wait, what, sorry, what did you say? 
Ken, you go next. Fight, you gotta, you gotta. Uh, I gotta hear this. I, I can't, I can't get over this. But Ken Jack thoughts. Uh, I ended up giving it ninety two out of hundred. I really, really, really liked it um, a lot. Um, I, I think Sean Baker has like a, obviously a very, very specific style, right? You know, if you watch like Tangerine or like the Florida Project, mm-hmm. like if you like those movies, you'll really like this. And I think those movies, the big difference between those, this one and those two, it's like those two movies are a lot realer and more grounded. So it's a little hard to compare because this is a little more crazed and like unrealistic. Um, but at the same time, it feels authentic because like it, it's everybody in this movie is so like like not like a pure protagonist, pure like antagonist. Everyone's a bad guy. Everyone's a piece of shit. Like it's this very complex story. And I think that like the way Sean Baker directs, like a, a lot of directors, when they try to show poor communities, it almost feels a little exploitative because they're like, mm-hmm. let's show poor people so that the audience feels bad for them. Like he just makes movies that just happen to be set in poor communities. And like, that's the movie isn't about being poor. It's like about a whole different thing. And they just happen to be poor. And that's something I've always uh, appreciated, at least through all of the work of Sean Baker that I've watched. Um, and I really like them. This, everyone in this cast, is fucking awesome like they, every single person except except for there's two people and this is something that sean baker does like he just grabs people from the community and just like has them be in his movie the um okay. the boyfriend and the boyfriend's parents were so bad they were what was, terrible actors. What? so funny but th- that that was so it was so bizarre and like out of place that like it really throws you off for a second but that's just the sean baker effect that i've, I've grown to appreciate but that was um, crazy it was crazy and uh uh what's it called um I think Simon Baker or Simon Rex rather, he just was re- he really just he blew the pants off me, man. He impressed me, like, and not just from like uh, his ability to kind of show this, because again, like, this is partially part of his life too, because he was in this world of like pornography and stuff, like early in his career, and like, like it did have an effect on his later work, and like that is that I think helped lend into the the authenticity of his work a little bit here, but also like he was doing legitimately impressive stuff from an acting perspective like like these monologues and stuff he was going off on like you could tell some of it's like ad lib it's going off doing these crazy stories that are like going on for like three four minute takes like it's nuts the stuff like never in a million years would you say i would ever guess that simon rex was doing a long take in a movie and crushing it and man he was just he was so exceptional. I think everyone, everyone really was really good. Um, the the girl who played Strawberry. I don't know her name off the top of my head. I think it was really great in her um performance as well. Uh, I I just I really like this movie. It's very dirty. It's very raw. It's very it, it's it fe- it's like one of those movies like it feels good to be bad. It feels good watching bad people do bad shit and like get fucked for it. Like it just it's some one of those type of movies. And it's, I really really appreciate it. I think a lot of people especially LCB fans are really going to like this movie as well, especially if they liked um, Florida Project, which I thought was one of the best movies of whatever year that was. I think 2018. Um, you know what? As you guys are talking about, I've bumped my rating up. It's I have it. I was, I originally had it at about 65. I'm at a 71, but I think I'm going to watch it again and I might like it more. Uh, I, I got to say right off the bat, because I know what people are going to say. This movie also features, you know, I mean, like, call for what it, it's child grooming, like straight up, like I, it's right. And but this one, it's very like, like I said, like it's it's pointed bad. out the fight again fights. Yeah, <laughs> like Mikey Saber, but yeah, it's it's completely it's it is contextualized mm-hmm. very differently. You 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 took the words out of my mouth because at no point does this movie want you, unless your fights, to root for Mikey <laughs> to root for Mikey Saber. Like the movie acknowledges 
this is a bad guy. And this movie is trying to do something that to me is one of the most difficult things to do in cinema, which is have a completely unlikable protagonist. Cause that's tough. That's like having an unlikable friend. Like what? why, why do I, why do I want to hang around this guy? I know fights is sc- scoffing right now, but let me, <laughs> I'm going to finish because this guy it, within the context of the movie is such garbage. Like he's a creepy sex pervert. He is completely selfish. He's totally egocentric. He steals from people. He causes, like you said, a massive car accident. Mm-hmm. He doesn't cause a anything. Pilot. Right. <laughs> we can, we can debate that. We can debate that. But I would say the movie in a weird way almost does its job too well because by the halfway point of the movie, I wanted to jump through the screen and strangle this guy. And the film became unlikable because of like how well it was doing its job. And that's why I'm bumping my rating up. Cause like maybe like maybe I I'm guessing that was the intent. It just, it became really hard to even watch him. Cause you're just like, God, fuck this guy. Like he's, he's j- just a, he's just a rotten egg. Um, but it's well-directed. Like you said, yes, Simon Rex is great. I agree with you, John or, or uh, Jeff. I do believe that he's going to get squeezed because this, because of, the nature of this character, I just don't think it's a performance or or a movie that's going to get nominated for a lot of like major awards. But um, yeah, I, I'm I have it at a seventy one. It's not like approaching my top ten list or anything. But uh, I more appreciate it than I do like it. But at the same time, I I'm giving it a recommendation because there's n- I can't think of any movie I can really compare it to. Like it's just kind of on its own, like separate uh, you know ether from other movies. So it's solid. Um, I do have my problems with it. I agree with it. It runs way too long. Um, especially for a movie that is mainly meant to be a dark comedy, like 20, 30 minutes lopped off of this thing. It's a much tighter uh, movie. It's, I think intentionally hollow. That's why I'm like unsure about it. Like the movie ends. He doesn't have an arc. The movie ends with him. He starts as garbage and he ends like intentionally the movie to like, make sure that he doesn't grow. Like he remains crap. Um, but yeah, 71, but it's a fascinating movie. And I think when more people see it, a lot more people are going to talk about it. Similar to power of the dog in that sense. Mm, fight. Good comp. All right. So here's the deal. Fight First of all, big, uh, fight took a big slug of whiskey before this. this <laughs> review. It is. First of all, a uh, little inside baseball. Asa Akira um, loved this movie. She said it was, I believe her exact quote was something along the lines of it was, the most accurate portrayal of the porn industry and, and how people mm-hmm. in the porn industry are chewed up and spit out she's ever seen. Um, it is also, I loved, I was, I was the Leo DiCaprio meme many times. Yes. Yes. He's like, he's like, yeah, fucking Jules Jordan. I'm like, I know that guy. Yeah, like- yeah. Tori Black, Christina Rose. Yup, yup, yup. Um, the, um, but as, as for, Okay, I am not arguing that Mikey Saber deserves to win Texas City Citizen of the Year. By no means am I that. Okay, but I feel like everyone's got this friend, and maybe I'm projecting here, who's incredibly selfish, but he's a good time, and like you know, like that's that's all you you know who he is. But when he comes around, you have fun. And so you fucking let him be who he is. He's not like a piece of shit. He's not a great guy, but he's not doing anything illegal. He's he well, sure he's selling. He's a pedophile. (laughs) He's not a he's not a pedophile. She's of legal age. It's weird. Don't get me wrong. It's I I do think I think you can say he does. He's well. He did technically technically did evade police. 
Um, but I, I, but he didn't do it. That that's crazy. You guys keep blaming him for that. Okay, he let me bad directions. That's what. That's all he did. <laughs> let me explain something to you. Let me, let me ask he, you something. Had John. he been driving that fucking car, he still would have pinned. Like that. It, had, it doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah, let me smart. ask fights. Fights. Let me ask you something. If the police, if I, what's his name, the guy ratted him out to police and said he was in the car, do you think he would have been arrested? No. Why would he be? He would have absolutely been arrested. Why? What did he do? If he's an accomplice, he's the one who pointed and had him run over in the lane. Bro, if I've been in the car with people who were drunk, I didn't get arrested for DUI. Yeah, but that's the different. That's, that is, that's completely different. That's not different. He didn't Actually, do no, it. But if you, if you, the car if that happened the and you evaded responsibility. Police, he's still evaded somebody police. listening who knows the law. Tell us, because I, I, I mean. I, I don't think he. I think he was doing that because of you like, sound like you sound like George Bluth. You can't arrest the husband and wife for the same crime. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like it was. I, I literally have. I, I had a friend who got a DUI. I was in the passenger seat, and he was like, "Can you drive?" And I was like, "No, I'm drunk." So I walked home. But like, I didn't do anything wrong. He, the driver, is the person responsible for everything that happens in the car. I think he would have gotten some sort of penalization criminally. I, I, I guess I don't know with like a hit and run, but as far as the accident goes, he I, who he didn't, he didn't like, report oh, the this crime. Exit, this exit. I that under like, the okay under the right before, circumstances, someone who has been driving at the time of an accident can be convicted of hit and run if you run from the scene. He ran from okay. the scene and he didn't report the crime, which is also pet. That makes him that's accomplice to a hit and run. Rider died, bro. Dude. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> an accomplice to a hit and run. <laughs> <laughs> not even hit and run a pile up and run <laughs> the uh but as as the movie as a whole um i very much enjoyed it completely agree 20 30 minutes could definitely go but the, i do have a criticism and i and and again this is maybe a projection where i'm running into it more often but i feel like it's happening more often we're like in movies and I, and I do think this is more of a mainstream indie situation things happen for no reason and then people are like, well, that's art. Things don't have to have a reason. Mm-hmm. Like, like the, the son storyline never coming back. That bothered me, particularly because they did make note of him, like looking at the picture of the two of them. And then they have that quick conversation. But that the fact that that was never a thing annoyed me. Um, when he yells out the window at them, were they smoking crack? Is that why the, the kid was taken away? Remember, he yells at them outside, like, great life choice, guys. Great life choice. But they all smoke, so I assume they were smoking something else. Um, that that never being explained bothered me. There were there were a few things which just like, and I get. It, I'm sure the explanation would be like, yeah, you know, sometimes things just happen. They don't have to have a reason. But in movies, they do, and I need to know why her kid was taken. I need to know why he didn't want to talk about it because it didn't seem to be his kid. There was there was stuff. I, I wonder why their relationship ended. Like what what happened with them. They were, and, and it just nothing was really told to me. Mm. I, I, a couple I was I can that. see the kid thing. I think I think the smoking thing though was just obvious. Like they were doing drugs. She said like that the doctor cut down her meds or something. But I, I yeah, yeah. I, but I so what were what were they smoking? I don't know PCP. Who knows? I because like that. weed, he wouldn't get mad about. Yeah, weed, he wouldn't. No, I assume that's there's. Yeah, that's kind of what I assume. And what what drug what's what drug can you smoke that? Is a painkiller. They're smoking fentanyl. Hey, Never Sean know. Baker's on Twitter. He replies to people. Go, go hit him up. <laughs> yeah, go ask him. Hey, my guy. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I mean, other than that, though, wait, what did you score? Other than 
it, it very comparable to me um, to I, I have a lot of parallels with um, Licorice Pizza, where I, I don't love it. Definitely didn't dislike. I, I, I'll put it in the 80s again. It was missing something to put it into that upper echelon, but I very much enjoyed it. I thought I thought this even more than Licorice Pizza. There were a lot of shots where I was like, wow, that's an incredible shot. There were there were a lot of those in this one to me. Um, but I'd, I'd give it again. I'll give it this. I'll give this a high 80s. I'm an easy score. I'm, I'm, I'm an easy grader. <laughs> Um, the I, I gave I'll say how about an eighty six. Mm-hmm. This was half the budget of Florida Project, which it's not like it's only four. Like there's a million dollars it took to make this movie. Um, the budget on Tangerine was a hundred thousand dollars, and I'm ninety percent sure Tangerine was shot on an iPhone. Yeah, yes, yeah. yeah. Using three. No, it was yeah. one of the original ones. Yeah, yeah, three yeah. iPhone five S's. Um, mm-hmm. This was done with a ten person crew. Uh, from October 26, 2020 to November 19, 2020. COVID obviously got in the way. And and Sync improved the use of the song. It was not part of the final budget. All five members approved the movie. They, uh, one of the coolest things about it was Simon Rex's audition story because Simon Baker just gave him like five minutes to prepare an audition and just videotape it and send it over to him. Simon Baker, the mentalist. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, wait, no, you, mentalist you, and you, what's the other? What's you, the other wait, wait. I you combine, combine them. them. Sean Baker. Simon Baker's the mentalist. He's the British guy, right? Yeah, 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 oh, yeah. oh yeah. The Guardian. That's what, like the Coast Guard movie. He's not in the Guardian. I, I watched that no, weirdly like, like recently. Show. Yeah, what other <laughs> the Kevin Costner Ashton Kutcher movie? What other fucking show is he in besides the Mentalist? It's it's uh, another USA Network one, maybe. I don't know. I'm not sure. Fuck. Anyway, shout out to the Mentalist. Um, yes, you go but, ahead. Tell the story. Yeah. Yeah, no, um, when they when Simon Rex auditioned for the movie, um, he had like, I think Sean, ba- Sean Baker called him and told him like, yeah, like, uh, can you just audition for this movie? I'll give you like 20 minutes. Can you just like, send me over um, this like a clip of you doing this? And like, he just like, OK, I'll just do it. He did it. He like rushed and set up the camera, did it all really, really quick and just sent it over and like just got cast. And it was just like a really crazy sort of story. And I think it's just cool for Simon Rex, who has really, you know, had like a weird up and down sort of career and found his lane but that lane which is parody movies just kind of disappeared on him and like mm-hmm. got and he did dirt nasty too and that lane kind of like evaporated too and just i think it's a great sort of redemption for him in a movie that feels like it's it's while you're watching it is egging you towards a redemption story for the character of mikey saber but you never get it because he's such no. a massive piece of shit incorrect incorrect and, and, yeah. and, and by the way, Simon Baker was on a show called The Guardian from 2001 to 2004. Uh, okay. Un- unrelated to the Ashton Kutcher. He is the mentalist, though. Right. He, he the, mentalist. Um, the real quick, while we're giving um, Simon Rex flowers a bit here, uh, I think, Jeff, you said the scene uh, with the accident did it for you. I was I was in right away. It's, you know, it's not his very first scene, but it's kind of, I think it's the first time where he really shines. He was, I mean, he's great from start to finish. Um, Oh, that scene when he's in the towel, when he's telling the story about yes, how he the monologue back so good. What's that? That monologue is so good. Yeah, it's uh, that's I you I, I could tell what you were talking about when you were talking about his like four minute monologues and you could tell the improvisation. That scene, I was like, holy shit, this dude is a monster. He was great, really, really good. <laughs> One of yeah. the the funniest things I think he does in the movie is um 
like and just what is so emblematic of him being a piece of shit is how he keeps having to try to explain to people why he deserves the award for best blowjob, even though he <laughs> yes. clearly does not yes. deserve the it award. Like, that recurring bit is so fucking perfect. And I, I loved that in this movie. It's just again, it, it, and that's probably something Asakuri appreciates. It's like, why would you give the guy the award for best, best blowjob? And he's like, oh, well, obviously you don't get it. Like, it's a lot of work goes in for it for me. Dude, you're getting your dick sucked. What the fuck are you talking about? It, I, yeah, this this movie. And then the more I think about the more, I just, yeah, the, this, again, Sean Baker, what pretty fucking good. And Dude, there was it funny. was there was a fucking time. I I so disagree about the him being a piece of shit that there was a time. I think it was. I forget why. I, I you I saw him buy the donuts, and you're like, "Wow, what a wholesome guy!" Mm-hmm. <laughs> Again, I'm <laughs> not saying he's a great holes. person, but like there was. I think it's when he's on the bench. I forget why. I think it's because he doesn't let his friend. He doesn't let uh, Lonnie come in for sets. And I and I had like a aha moment where I go, he might not be a great guy, and it was because <laughs> of that because he wasn't sharing sets. It had not stuck out to me before then. <laughs> you get you got the next one, Lonnie. That was very fun yeah. too. <laughs> <laughs> um, other people in the movie, Brie Elrod, who plays Lexi, his ex. I thought she was fucking yeah. outstanding. Um, just everyone just was so exasperated constantly in this movie. Yeah. Susanna's son is who played uh, Strawberry, who Sean Bate, who. Sean Baker, I think, discovered through some some something. Let's say it's like a stage play or something. I think he saw her performing. I, mm-hmm. I assume she is, uh, you know, in her twenties of sorts. She looks very, very young, but it was she is she's very pretty. Yeah. But it, it is. I hate when they put very pretty people and make them. We're like, you're a creep if you think they're pretty. Like, what the fuck? She's pretty. This is he, <laughs> he specifically wrote the a, a scene to sing a slow ballad cover of Bye Bye Bye. I thought the use of that song throughout the whole movie was great. Oh, that Very was good. great. Yeah. I thought, and then Brittany Rodriguez, who played June, who was who ended up like chasing after him. She had she liked the girl in the movie. I thought she was fucking hilarious. Their like, back and forth down. with the brothers was very funny. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Didn't want to touch his dick when they're going for the money. That yeah, it was it. I score may go up on this movie doing rankings this week dude this i'm week. feeling the same way the my it, biggest problem is just that it is it's just too long there's no reason for this to be over two it, hours it, it, it went on a little bit and my my only thing with that and then we'll move on to don't look up is my only thing with that is that i think a movie that's so based in anxiety and having just tension and constant nerve-wracking scenes and being frantic uncut yeah. gems being a good example i think the shorter you make it the more effective it is because you never get a second you don't really get a second to breathe in this movie breathe in this movie. Ooh, can't speak breathe in this movie but i do think when you shorten it that, that, that is what happens so yeah. yeah i think we are all very much a rocket not an easy thing to go find um, I don't know when it's going to hit streaming. I actually think it is going to hit streaming. I think it's then. on Voodoo. I couldn't get it to work. I couldn't. I, I downloaded the Voodoo app. And I couldn't find it because it didn't have a search function. But I, when I googled it, I, it it was. It says it's on Voodoo for twelve ninety nine. First, first, if you can pre order first week of February, so it is actually soon. Okay. Um, and if you do want to f- be creative, you can go find a way to watch this movie online. Uh, mm-hmm. Not that I'm can. Not that I'm saying do that. But if you really want to, if you can go find it in theaters. Go find in theaters now because it is it's it's worth watching a movie shot on a 16 millimeter. It's like Sean Baker just he's got the eye. Uh don't look up. Last thing we'll talk about here, then we'll we'll rip through our, our least five favorite of the year. Adam McKay back again. Uh, I mean, one of the wildest fucking filmographies of all time. Anchorman, the other guys, the big short vice, step brothers, television nights. And now don't look up. Third straight movie with a pretty big uh 
political or climate or economic message. Um, I just said all three things he covered. He covered yeah. economic with the mm-hmm. big short and political. Um, and then big political with uh, Vice. Vice. This movie was political, but this movie, again, the intent intent here. A lot of people think this movie is like a commentary on COVID and everything. Like, this, this is a climate change movie. like Or yeah. climate change or global war, whatever the fuck you want to call it. Like, that is what was the intention here. Um, some people, it's very divisive movie. Some people think that it's Trump that Melrose Street's playing. Some people think it's a commentary on the Clintons because there is a lot of imagery that's Trump. I'll tell you what, man. I love Adam McKay. I liked Vice. I actually liked Vice quite a bit. And I rewatched it recently before watching Don't Look Up. Like, I'm going to go back. I haven't seen that in a while. Man, even the fucking scene where they're, where they're putting down, like, like it's Stratego or something, the pieces of all the, of all the power mm-hmm. plays. Like, man, there's just something with that movie. It's not The Big Short. The Big Short is one of my favorite movies ever big short's one of the best movies i've ever seen it's a top 25 movie ever for me it's a 99 i think the big short is genius i think vice didn't have as much of that finesse but i still think it worked i thought this movie was a little too clunky and it's not as much about the fact that it beats you over the fucking head and i don't think it needed to do that i think that was my big thing because i think there's a lot of funny stuff in this movie but it just didn't like like the big short was like a, a fucking 70 to nothing blowout like no turnovers perfect i thought vice pretty good points this was like a like a like a scrap it out win for me which i couldn't believe because i people said like ah oh, you're gonna love it you're an adam mckay guy i i will say though it had one thing it had my favorite joke of the entire and <laughs> the recurring snack bit that was so i good. think i think the yeah. recurring bit about the fucking general and the snacks was the funniest thing in any movie I saw this year. And every time they did it, it got me. The main one being after the initial launch fail, when they're sitting, he's like, he works for the Pentagon. Why would he, why would he charge us for snacks? <laughs> <laughs> it's just why so funny it? to me. Uh, Ken Jack, I gave it a 78. You're kind of in the same ballpark with me, but a little higher. Yeah, I gave it an 83. And um, I, I was a little bit, I would say, nervous going into the movie because I like I liked Vice for what it was, but also it made me a little bit nervous because like Adam McKay's an absolute and total genius. I think I think he's one of the best minds in comedy, and also one of the as we've seen in like the more recent stuff, he's really really good in like more um, I would say prestige level dramas and shit like that. Um, but he's also very politically involved, and I think he lost some of the subtlety that made a lot of his previous work great, especially when you watch a movie like Vice because a lot of it's very just like. Yeah, fucking, you know that uh, George Bush is bad. It's like, yeah, man, I know. Like, you don't need to say stuff out loud for me for the audience to understand it. It's, um, it's, it's, and I think also Leonardo DiCaprio is kind of the same way. He's very, very passionate about climate change. And it made me afraid that this movie was kind of sort of lose that subtlety when it's obviously a satire of climate change. And I, I was just afraid that that quality be drowned out by the messaging. Um, and with that said, I don't think the movie did that at all i think it was it did a really really good job uh, navigating the balance um it was funny is very is funny it was serious it was subtle um and i don't think it was it had like a lack of subtlety in the appropriate moments but it was subtle in the moments in and also appropriate in similarly appropriate moments um i think leonardo DiCaprio crushed it really really good i loved his his freak out on live tv when he like started screaming being like we're all gonna fucking die like that was that's that's just vintage leo right there i love that um that's because that wasn't even acting Dude, that was just yeah. what he actually was screaming to the camera. See, that's that's my thing, it. though. Would you agree with this? I think, 
like I think the fact that so much of the movie was just fucking pounded in your face that that was great but like had that been the pinnacle moment where it's like it's the slow subtle bill and not even doesn't have to be subtle like it doesn't need to be that subtle. I like the big short was subtle but like I think a slow build to that moment where it's like so it like almost breaks the fourth wall like yeah you know what like I don't know it might have been a little more effective because I do agree I thought that was like in terms of like the pure acting probably the best part yeah I, I think that um I don't think that there was a lot of unsubtle moments leading up to that part where it was very break, like shaking the holding the viewer in your hands and like shaking them. Um, I think that moment was that's why that moment like very much stood out for me was because it not only was the biggest acting moment, but also was the biggest like, you know, lack of subtlety moment, so to speak. Um, and I think beyond that, also Mark Rylance was awesome in this yes. movie that he's like he um, great he's yeah. like amalgam of like bezos and you know jack uh dorsey and all these fucking guys like it was so fucking funny and like his big ass fake teeth or whatever he was wearing yeah. like it was so goddamn funny i loved him in that movie or in this movie and uh i think it just the movie left me with a really big chunk of existential dread um especially after watching it like as uh, i watched it right before bed and i was like oh fucking how am i gonna sleep now but i think that's that's the point or that's proof positive of like the, the point was well made. Right. Because right. like a lot of this just does feel so, sort of accurate. And just, I loved there. There's a lot of it. That's, you know, kind of bums you out as far as like, uh, like uh, for example, the Ron Perlman character who we recently interviewed, like that one was a little too over the, like bash you over the face sort of character, like some of the other ones as well. But like the, when you look at it, I think from the more base perspective, like the characters of especially Leo, especially Mark Rylance. I really think Meryl Streep is also very funny in this. Um, I think they were all, they crushed it, there were, but there was also some weaker aspects on the on the acting end as well. Like, I don't think, um, uh, uh, what's her, I almost fucking forgot her name. Kat Jennifer Lawrence. Fuck. Yeah, I don't think Jennifer Lawrence is particularly strong and that took the movie down a little bit for me, especially because she's like the, the co-part of this movie, um, their co-star of this movie. And uh, But other than that, I, I really, really enjoyed it, man. It, I thought it was funny, dark, serious uh it's points in the right points um just a little long little bit of you gotta total line a little better on the subtlety and that's basically it for me fights because chris i'm with you because i know you liked it a ton fights where yeah. you stand with it yeah yeah uh i i'm i'm very similar with ken jack here uh i'm i, I was gonna say 82 um the uh first of all quick shout out follower from massachusetts a uh, little filming. It's where I'm from. It's my hometown. A uh, little filming there. The uh, the battleship scene is the USS Massachusetts, the big Mamie. Uh, never lost a sailor. Not one sailor ever died <laughs> on the USS know. Massachusetts. Yep. Fun fact. Um, but I, I really like the movie. I think that it's it's actually be, it's it's crossed the line as far as discourse goes, where it's just not even fun to talk about anymore. No, because not, not even not even remotely fun. It, it's gotten so ridiculous with stuff. Like if you like it's like. Everyone who's like, I was like, like I, I didn't learn anything I didn't know. Well, I didn't go into it trying to learn shit. I was going into it to be entertained. And guess what? I was fucking entertained. I, did, I I'm aware of climate change. It was, I, I wasn't watching a documentary. People like love to say that. Like, like I didn't learn it. it beat you over the head. Like, it was just, I don't know. It was fun. It was a good movie. I really liked it. I love seeing um, Leo. I feel like Leo's been Leo for a while now in movies. And maybe I'm missing some. But, you know, between Jordan Belfort, Great Gatsby, obviously The Revenant was a, a departure. But I think he's kind of been skating on just being a handsome playboy uh, for a lot of his recent movies. May, may, again, maybe I'm misremembering, but there's a there's a, a, a big portion where I think he's just being Leonardo DiCaprio. And I think he was cool to see him be a nerd. I thought one of the funniest scenes in the whole movie was, I, I, I do agree on the, um, the general joke, 
but I, when he's in bed with um i forget her name Kate but Blanchett. the anchor when when they are talking about you know like their their lies and he's such a fucking nerd i thought i thought every time every nerd thing with leo i was laughing out loud every every little nerd thing he does where he's like oh boy we are having fun now guys and just doing like the equations and shit i thought that was hilarious Oh, his large adult sons, by the way, were also very funny. <laughs> they, yeah. they look just like just adult, adult sons. sons. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, 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 you're right in the discourse thing because, like, again, he came up with this movie a while ago. This movie was, first of all, the, here's my other thing that bl- really makes me mad. This is a Netflix thing, and they've done a really good job at this. People are like, oh, it's like a regular Netflix movie. It's not a Netflix movie. Netflix distributed this movie. They got it from Paramount. Sure, it's a Netflix movie. But this is a Netflix movie in the same sense The Irishman or Roma is a Netflix movie. This didn't fucking right. he's all mm-hmm. that. This is not This is not like the Princess Netflix, like Switch. Original. Like These are two very, these are very different types. This is even different. Yeah, anyway, I just that, that was a thing that I had to get that ran out. But you're right, fights, because the discourse has gotten to the point where again, I'm like I saw somebody tweet, they're like, what a what a great take on COVID. Like it's not like they're arguing about, they're arguing about this, how it's a take on COVID. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking? Like, I get it. I get if you think it it does have parallels to an extent. I yeah. get that. I, I will not be a snob. If that's if you think that it can line up that way, there are plenty of movies that line up things differently after mm-hmm. release. Sure. There was not the intent of the movie. And I saw this huge threat about that. I'm like, oh my God, who fucking care? Like, what are we but, doing here? Like, this is, he literally said, he says, movie came from my burgeoning terror and climate crisis than the fact that we live in a society that tends to place a fourth or fifth in news stories. Um, which is kind of funny that people are now talking about a different thing instead of the actual reason why he made the movie. <laughs> but you're right. It just like, I... I was like, goodbye. Like, uh, we saw this movie like a little before people started seeing it. I was like, okay, like, no, no interest in having that discussion at, at all, which is kind of the point, I guess. For Burn! Me. But yeah. <laughs> um, the uh, first half over just hit in fucking Minnesota, <laughs> Green Bay. Um, but the, um, well, the other thing I was going to say is that I think the two people who don't find it funny, or I think if you're going into it for something else, I think a lot of people are going into it for reasons to hate it. They want to hate it because it's political. And, right. and they're going to be like, well, but if you go into it and just watch Leo and Jonah Hill, there are two laugh out loud funny characters every time they're on the screen. Yep. It is mm-hmm. it is undeniably enjoyable. If you're going in to have fun, those two characters provide you with fun every single time they're on the screen. And I also don't think it's getting the credit that it deserves. And maybe I'm just speaking personally here. Uh, well, I am because I'm speaking, and therefore it's personal. Um, but the uh, I think it's one of the most one of the more emotional endings uh, in, in movies. I think I teared up. I, that, uh, I cried. It, it, it is the, really it's, t- the, it's a tough what's ending. The song? Yeah. What, the, the, that dining room scene is incredible. That's like really, really, really good. Who's the, the um, so artist I, of the I, song? Because that song was exceptional—the one that they played during the dinner and the impact. Um, let me let me look. It's the guy up. that just did it with uh, the album with Taylor. What's his name? Bon, bon, oh, um, Adam, bon Iver? Uh, Adam Dressman. Dressman. No, Dressman. no, Bon Iver, right? Yeah. Oh, Bon. Oh, that's right. It was Bon Iver. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah, Adam Dressman. Awesome was soundtrack. The, Let the yeah, Eagles yeah, soar. Was, they, they, they. Once again, Adam McKay threw in John Ashcroft thing, singing "Let the Eagles Soar." He did it in <laughs> Vice, and he did it again. A, a great moment, by the way. Uh, Chris, you fucking loved this movie. Yeah. Um. Again, my opinions, but uh. I, I I have this as a 95. This is the I would say the best comedy I've seen probably in eight or nine years. What what um, is it I, behind? Wow. What is it behind for you for movie of the year? West Side Story. 
Okay, right. Uh, so, right. I, I now I want to say one thing that I no one's talked about this, and I love this movie, but I think it's the worst Christmas Day release of all time. I think that's one of the reasons why this is part of why it's so divisive is especially Netflix Christmas Day when people are with families. A movie about the fucking apocalypse is the that's last tough. thing people want to watch. I really <laughs> think they made a mistake releasing this one. I know they were trying to go for Oscars, but and I love this movie, but I know Adam McKay's last couple of movies were nominated for stuff. This is this is something you put out in like July to me. I, I the Christmas Day release, I think it does it did impact the way people felt. Um I acknowledge completely this movie is preachy as hell. It's pretentious. It's absolutely politically motivated. Um, but sometimes you see a movie that you just gel with in a way where it feels like somebody just took your thoughts and put them on screen. There was about a dozen times in this movie I wanted to stand up and say, yes, yes, thank you. And it's not even every, everyone's going to say, you know, oh, because you're, you know, big climate change. guy. I don't give a fuck. I don't think. But it just in terms of what it says about the news media, the political climate, right? society in general, the overall absolute stupidity of so many people. I was just watching it. And I wanted to applaud. I'm like, it's finally a movie that's like actually acknowledging this stuff in a way that I thought was entertaining. And I understand there's going to be political discourse. It's unavoidable with this. But the difference is to me is like, this is a comedy still. And I just right. thought it was so funny. Like that's the end of like you, you brought it up fights where like I, you could disagree with everything Adam McKay believes politically. And I will not claim to agree with everything he says. In fact, one of the big problems I have with vice as somebody who probably leans closer to his side of the aisle was like, dude, calm down. Like there was part of me that's like, this is really getting preachy here. Like you're really hitting us over the head here. I felt like actually people aren't giving this enough credit for the fact it does skewer both sides to a certain extent it does like, it's definitely it's, mm-hmm. I, and that's the other thing too it's definitely a and i get and i actually I, I know i made fun of it but i get a little bit where people are like well, who is she playing trump or hill like i think the point yeah. is he actually wants you to it's completely ambiguous on purpose mm-hmm. it definitely i mean to be fair and i think you could probably guess where a lot of us lean here but i also think yeah. it probably leans a little more mocking the right but it does definitely there's an intent intent of being ambiguous there with that character and a lot i thought i thought the scene with jennifer lawrence where she tells the restaurant gives them the information and then it leads to them just rioting and you know blowing up a restaurant essentially i thought that was a like a commentary on some of the recent stuff that's gone on you know within our country that i think more like a lot of people you know again i don't don't even want to go down this road believe is kind of on the left just my opinion and observation pointing that out, but no, I, I was, and I watched it twice and, and it's weird because it, there's so many things in it that should bother me. It is really politically motivated. It's a comedy that's over two hours. I usually hate that. I love like, that's why Judd Apatow movies, like even some of the best ones, like you're not making fucking Lawrence of Arabia. Like it's a comedy. And yet the entire thing worked for me. The entire thing was making me laugh and it has like, legitimate bite to it that's the problem with so many comedies nowadays and comedy in general is how safe people play it this movie is like i loved the cynicism i loved how mean-spirited it was at points like i i it struck me as a movie that just doesn't really get made very much anymore because we live in this in this climate where everything needs to be safe and accessible and it's not we all like this uh and which makes me happy the four of us 
He's but one I of the agree. few that can do that, though. That is the other thing, too. Like, he, there's right. not many people other than Adam McKay that are able to do it. And that's because, obviously, the Big Short was wildly successful. His comics mm-hmm. and Will Ferrell were wildly successful. Right. So it's like, uh, there's really not many who can do that. No, but even, like, even Judd Apatow, who I like, like, he's, his movies have less bite and less, like, cynicism than, you know, they did 14, 15, you know, when he made 40-Year-Old Virgin. Um, so I, I, I think because we all like this, will you guys, do you guys agree that this is a movie, I think five years from now, we're going to see those like variety um, uh, think pieces about like, was this underappreciated? Because I do think it, in the current age that we're in, and again, this was released on Christmas, it's just a movie that people just aren't in the mood for right now. Like given when it was released because of how cynical it is, because of how mean it is, um, you know, I, I think people don't want to have that mirror held up to them right now. But Maybe. I think that we, yeah. Like, I but that. I think that we we could look back on this five years from now and say this might have been something that was underappreciated at the time. And look, if you didn't find it funny and you didn't like it, that's totally fine. I am. We're not in the minority, but I'm. I don't know anyone who loved it as much as I did. Um, Maybe. So, yeah, I think we'll we'll see. I think that one thing you'll see over the next five years is that like a politician will definitely say something that people are going to be like, like, oh, Adam McKay called this and don't look up. Yeah, they're going to say stupid shit like that. Like they're going to be like, let's like there's going to be like a fucking like, uh, I don't know, like like an ice shelf will explode. And like the sitting administration is going to say something like, like, oh, we just got to sit back and work on it. And it was going to go, oh, remember, sit back and assess and don't look up. People are going to do stuff like that for sure. Almost like the Simpsons did it sort of uh, thing. So, yeah. Keep saying so to speak. I don't know why. I, I will say this though. I mean, I don't know. The political climate is way too fucking. It's 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 just too cutthroat and nasty. Where for I think anytime soon, maybe one day, a while now. I will say, very excited for Bad Blood, the Elizabeth Holmes movie that he's going to do because yes, yeah. I don't know where the politics would be infused in that, and this is just about a big dopey weirdo um, <laughs> and their company, and I'm very excited for that. Because I do think he's very good at these types of movies, even though I didn't love this one anywhere near as much as his other two. And so taking a serious topic and infusing a lot of comedy into it, especially Elizabeth Holmes, it's just fucking absurd. Just dressing like Steve Jobs, the Yoda quotes all over her office. It's just one of the strangest things ever. Um, So I'm very excited for him to tackle that. Like very, very excited. Mm -hmm. Uh, That should be awesome. The only thing with that is I hope the show that comes out doesn't take away from it. Like, yeah, I hope, like, true. the energy, like, isn't people are like, oh, I'm sick of this. Like, that is kind of the annoying thing that they're doing two of those. By the way, can't wait for, can't wait for the, the 12 movies about GameStop that come out in a couple of years. Remember? When, oh, yeah. No Centineo. <laughs> every, every studio announced a GameStop movie. Yeah. No Centineo is making one. I think, who, who else? Probably Nick Cage is involved with one, or was that Tiger King? I forgot. There's so many of those. <laughs> yeah, he was doing Tiger King. So, Chris, you have that very high up there. I have it a 78, Ken Jack 83. Fight, what was your score on this one? 82. I was, I was right on 82. All right. Five least favorite movies of the year. Uh, you can go very mini rants on these, but just give me your five least favorite. We'll start. Ken Jack, I'll start with you. Five, it doesn't have to be five worse because not all mine are in order. There's a couple that if I read all these people are like, what the fuck is that? Like there are some duds mm-hmm. that people don't even know exist, I feel like. But mm-hmm. five least favorite. Okay. Um. Oh, yeah. It's the same sort of thing. Like minor. I think uh, it's 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 useless to pick ones that like nobody's seen because we've had to see all these terrible shitty movies. Uh, I tried to pick the more ones that I think more people see, and then there's one vanity pick there. Um. The f- number five would be Infinite. Uh, with Mark Wahlberg and Chiwetel Ejiofor. It is 
just one of the worst and least watchable movies I've seen in so long. And it, it released to a fucking crickets. Um, like nobody yeah. talked about it. Nobody heard anything about it. It was just a horrible, weird attempt to turn reincarnation into a sci-fi action movie. Just massive failure. Um, the next would be Bliss with uh, Owen Wilson and uh, I think Sam <laughs> Hayek, right? It was horrendous. I remember when we heard about it, right? We were like hyped up because we're like, yeah, Owen Wilson's been gone forever. Now he's me doing this plus Loki in a few months. And the movie was so offensively bad and stupid. It made me nervous about Loki because I was like, like, is this what Owen Wilson has left in the tank? Because this is shit. Yeah. And uh, obviously happily wrong there. Um, but it's just bizarro sci-fi family drama. Just horrid. Uh, Women in the Window next. And <laughs> I think if there's one bad performance in a movie, you could generally blame it on the actor. But when you get career worst performances across the board from people like Amy Adams, Gary Oldman, Julianne Moore, Jennifer Jason Lee, and all these people, it's on the director. Like, fuck you. You just, how do you even manage that, dude? It's crazy. I've heard of that movie. It's, it was big on Netflix. Everyone was going nuts about it because they're like, yeah, it's like this big, I forget, was it a play or book or something? Like, it's it a, bu- awesome. it a popular book, yeah. Yeah. And man, it was just one of the most boring throws I've ever seen in my life. Pure agony to get through. Uh, after that would be music. Uh, music was just ah. one, of the, one of the most completely uninspired movies ah. and just such a fucked up depiction of like autism and like the way people treat it and the way people portray it and stuff like that in movies. Um, and it kind of reminded me of uh, like I was watching the Chargers earlier during James dropped like a very easy interception. And like that thought comes to mind, like, oh, like the classic Madden thing. Like, that's why he's a defensive back and not a wide receiver. And this movie made me think this is why I see as a singer and not a writer director because it's dog yeah. shit. Yes. Uh, and then my absolute zero out of 100 movie was Separation, which I don't even, I probably only Jeff has seen here. Um, it's one it's of the first movies. One of the first movies I saw in the theater after going back, starting to go back to theaters, and it nearly made me quit them altogether. It's like a supernatural horror movie built around family divorce drama. It's infuriatingly bad. And it made me want to like stand up and fart in the movie theater. And, and, there, like, and there, there are some big names in that movie, dude. Too. Rupert Friends in that, like, like uh, what do you call it? Uh, uh, Brian Cox is in it, like a couple other like bigger names. And like, which by the way, Brian Cox just plays Logan Roy. He's like the mega rich asshole grandpa in New York City that wants to like buy everything, like or buy everyone's souls. Um, and it's just no soul, no soul, no scares, no plot, laughably bad HP or uh, CGI. And like literally the best scene of the movie is when Brian Cox gets gets thrown down a flight of stairs, and it's very clearly not him in a stunt double. And it's very funny. <laughs> like that's the only redeemable scene. I will say I feel I feel bad. I we actually didn't do a, a worst of list because I just it, the year was so negative. I was like, ah, I just didn't feel like doing it. But now we are as if the year wasn't also negative. Right, but separation, yeah. the director of separation has done a couple movies that are yes. Um he he did Brahms the Boy 2, The Boy, and The Devil Inside, which is a very notorious movie. Devil Inside is one of the yeah. worst in my life because it's famous for many people watched it and they thought the movie skipped to the ending. They didn't think the movie <laughs> yep. like they thought the movie like they were missing a part of the movie. That's um, is that the movie that ended by showing a website like yes. to see more go? To, what a ballsy move! Like the Devil Inside, <laughs> yeah, one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Uh, okay, that's a good five uh, fights. Five least favorite of the year. Okay, so mine is a little different than you guys because I don't really watch movies like you guys I like do. That, though that's good. I like that. Mm-hmm. So these are the five worst movies, and I haven't seen any of them. <laughs> okay i haven't even seen the trailer for these movies okay um the uh number one is christmas is canceled i uh uh, (laughs) 
Uh, I, I, I hadn't even heard of this movie. It's everywhere now. I imagine it's probably part of the holiday season. It is uh, Dermot Mulroney. Uh, it looks it looks just terrible. It looks really, really bad. Number two, another movie. I can't... <laughs> I've, I, I've seen, I have not seen it, but I know it's on Amazon Prime. Yeah. I know, yes. Okay, well, good. Speaking of Amazon Prime, got another one coming for you. Uh, National Champions. J.K. J.K. Simmons is in this, and the a lot of people in this. Really, a lot of wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. Okay, both football movies were not as bad as I thought they would be. Yes, agreed. Wait, what's that? Both that and American Underdog, not as bad as I thought they'd be. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. Not. Don't get me wrong. I'm not calling them good. No, (laughs) we thought they would be dog shit, and they just were. They were not that bad. Um, number three is Don't Breathe 2. Uh, I did see Don't Breathe 1. Uh, that man did not need a redemption movie. <laughs> no, <laughs> that, he sure uh, didn't. Kidnapping rapist. Uh, I don't think he is. So, so this one I didn't see the trailer for, to be honest. Um, I don't think he needed the comeback story for Don't, don't Breathe 2. Now, Kevin, I will be fair here. Kevin saw Don't Breathe 2, did not see Don't Breathe 1, so did not know why he was an evil person, said Don't Breathe 2 was great, and I loved it. Uh, I did. I can't see that. I, I can't see a guy who uh, tried to impregnate a kidnapped victim um, for a year. I can't see his redemption arc movie. Not for me. Number number four, A Thunder Force. Yes. Oh. Yes. Oh. yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Melissa McCarthy and Octavia Spencer. Uh, I, again, hadn't even heard of this movie. It looks like an absolute piece of fucking shit. (laughs) It's bad. It's bad. LCB average of a 12 out of 100 between myself and Mm. Ken Jack, yeah. Okay, all right, good. I was accurate. I judged that book by its cover correctly. And finally, I will go with Clifford. Uh, I believe that's come out, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I guess so. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The worst, the worst looking. I, I, I didn't watch the trailer. I have absolutely seen bits and pieces of uh, the trailer and and artwork from the movie. It looks garbage. Um, and I will say this: this is a movie I have started. I think a lot of people have actually asked me about this movie because it's a movie that people think I would love. The number one worst movie of the year that I actually did try and watch. Red Notice. And I love Ross and Thurber. <laughs> I love Dwayne Johnson. I love, uh, I don't love Ryan Reynolds. I'm, I'm, I'm a little, I'm souring on Ryan Reynolds a little bit, to be honest. Um, I love Gal Gadot. I could not get through 10 minutes of this movie. Hmm. The, the final, when Ryan Reynolds pulls the pin on the scaffolding and all, I turned it off. I was like, I, I can't do this anymore. This you is missed, you missed their both. Uh, what do you call it? Their respective plugs for their alcohol. They do a literal plug for aviation gin and for Terramana tequila in the movie. It's amazing. Uh, it was actually too. Okay. So I didn't turn it off right away, but I stopped paying attention. I, I had the on prize for another 15 minutes. So I did catch the aviation gin one. <laughs> <laughs> Incredible. Uh, my five similar to Ken Jack and on a couple of them. Um, a bit of a tie at five between the forever purge this franchise that just needs to go uh, away at this point um should have never started it's a dumb fucking idea <laughs> it's just <laughs> so i see i've always i've always said i like the idea poorly executed uh the forever purge is just and they've gotten so far beyond the intent of that franchise yeah. movie tied up with love hard which fights and i've talked about before it's a christmas movie with nina dobrev jimmy o yang 
I uh, in in the first five minutes, if you know who Jimmy O Yang is, the twist is is gone because you're like, well, that's just. I mean, spoiler, you're like, that's Jimmy O Yang on the phone. That's just that she's being catfished. Sir, I disagree. I thought Love Hard was fun. I give Love Hard the fun movie tag. I couldn't do it. It just made me so <laughs> mad. Uh, Home Sweet Home Alone is 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 in there. Uh, Home Sweet Home Alone. I actually hated more after seeing the uh, 8-Bit Christmas because, yeah. like, oh, that's how you take a Christmas mm-hmm. classic and do it differently. Um, just Home Sweet Home Alone was so fucking upsetting because it, it, it forced me to get mad about a family comedy. And I hate doing that, but it just it's so fucking stupid and just a, a gross misuse of Home Alone. Uh, Infinite is also number three. Oh, so bad. Uh, just a bad movie. Uh, tough Mark Wahlberg movie. Hate seeing Chiwetel Ejiofor in a role like that. Also, Rupert Friend in that movie as well. Yeah, dude, two um, Rupert Friend bangers on here. Infinite was just such a bomb for Paramount Plus. I just I can't believe we even existed. Uh, oh, it barely did. They didn't fuck. even advertise it, man. Like it's crazy. That's how bad they knew it was. I didn't know what movie you were talking. About. I was like, how do I not know about a Mark Wahlberg fucking action movie? And yes, I did see like one trailer for that. You're right. He just had another one drop on Prime that they didn't even advertise either. Concept not the worst in the world, just just but a terrible movie. Just act, ah, yuck. Terrible acting, action, nothing, nothing intriguing. Music talked about that. Music, one of the few movies I've seen in my life that I was actually borderline, like I just straight up offended by it. Yeah, in every Mm -hmm. way, shape, and form. Also, just not good music. Uh, but music got lost in the shuffle too because it got it was part of that weird. It's funny I did my rank. It's like oh I forgot Judas and the Black Messiah is a 2021 movie, but it was mm-hmm. part of the Oscars last year. Yeah. Uh, and Bliss is a fucking it is it's just a dumb stupid turd zero out of a hundred. Mm-hmm. Bad concept, bad movie, laughable acting, uh, beginning and ending that made me so fucking angry. Just unrewarding story. I I it was the only zero out of a hundred of the year bliss bliss was the worst and my least favorite uh big dumpy fart <laughs> just just uh mm-hmm. everything about that movie just made me upset just upset uh chris your five least favorite uh well r- real quick uh a couple that did not make uh crack the top five but were really bad uh mortal Kombat, tom and jerry thunder force army of the dead thunder and one that, force. Yeah. yeah and one that we I'm surprised it was not brought up the little things. I thought the little things was just oh, yeah. abysmal. Um, but okay, my top five uh, or bottom five. Number five is M. Night Shyamalan's old. Um, a relatively neat premise, Twilight Zone premise. Um, really just horribly directed, horribly edited, horribly acted. Uh I somebody brought this. I said this in my in the YouTube video I made. I think it has the most unappealing cast of any movie ever. Like I don't know why this, how this creative decision was a thing, but M Knight was like, I want to make every person in this movie look sick. They all look like bags of bones. I have no idea why he decided to do that. Not the reason the movie's bad. It's completely, I mean, it's laughable. I laughed harder at this movie than I did at any comedy this year outside of don't look up number four, <laughs> uh, the woman in the window, uh, uh, Frankenstein's monster of a movie. Uh, the studio jumped in and tried to edit it the last second, paid these random homages to Hitchcock. Um, a real disappointment because not only does it have a great cast, but Joe Wright is a, legitimately a good director who's made like Oscar worthy, like Oscar winning films. Um, and this was, yeah, you're right. Like Gary Oldman gives one of the worst performances of the year in this Gary Oldman. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, everyone's bad in this. It's, and it's so boring too. And, and the last, by the, the last 10 minutes, you're laughing when she get, what was the garden? Like 
tool gets <laughs> stabbed yeah. into him. It was so stupid. Number three, we talked about it earlier, licorice pizza. I'm not going to go. You, you, uh, there's objection. Whoa, worst of the year. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You weren't. Yeah. You weren't here for the. Yeah. No, I, I couldn't stand it. Um, I. Yeah. Uh, we talked about it. People can listen to the podcast. Number two, um, a movie I know some people legitimately like. Venom Let There Be Carnage to me was the <laughs> cinematic equivalent of like having your foreskin pulled over your forehead. Like, <laughs> oh my this, God. Wow. This was the least funniest movie ever, ever. Like, I Saving Private Ryan is a fucking animal house compared to this shit. Like, I was watching it. I think Tom Hardy, I'm so, I think Tom Hardy is an unfunny guy. And I don't understand why they went this creative route. I heard a rumor that they're going to try to link. Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man to Tom Hardy's Venom. That, please, see, that's that's enough right there for Venom. The fact that they that they are really jumping through hoops to not really let Venom in the MCU is kind of all you need to know. <laughs> like, exactly. Just, please, don't do this to Andrew Garfield. He's been through enough with that character. Don't exactly. don't subject him to this shit. I really like this. To me, this is a movie that like lowers the average like intelligence curve. Like, and, and I'm sorry when people West Side Story bombed. So don't complain about lack of creativity in Hollywood when people are accepting this as art. It's garbage. I'm sorry. And I know there's people who like it. If And if you like the yeah, first one, sure. I'm not one of them. Mm-hmm. Sure, sure. You're going to like this. I, I, This is the only movie I've ever seen that actually gave me a headache. Uh, number one, and this is not just number one this year, maybe the worst movie I've ever seen. Music. Yeah. And music to me is, I mean, offensive in a way that, movies just aren't offensive anymore like the portrayal of autism is it's the it's it's bad man it really did upset me i i can't listen to fucking chandelier anymore because i hate this movie so much (laughs) like sia is objectively a horrible director like somebody reminded me of this i forgot about this do you guys remember the scene in this movie when the grandfather dies and the autistic kid across the street like senses it like autistic people have fucking ESP or something like mm-hmm. yeah, fuck you. Like Which, again, like, I, if, if you forgot about this movie, Maddie Ziegler, who is a star of her own, um, came up through all those dance shows and everything. Um, she was actually in West side story. I think. Yeah. For half a second. Mm-hmm. I know. Big on YouTube, part of the movie. Dance mom. She was in Sia's videos. She did portray someone um, with autism. And, and does that it, it's, it is, it, it is like one of the most shocking movies I've ever and watched in my life. It's Mickey Rooney in Breakfast and Tiffany's playing the Asian character. Like it's that level of offense. Like, <laughs> it's, it's, it's like it's, some other movies do that too. Like we, I remember we reviewed uh, um, the the Predator or whatever, and like a plot point right. was like how like the autistic kid has superpowers, and like that is it's like offensive on its own when it's just like that tiny little isolated space. I like, when you you stretch that over a whole movie, it's so fucking. It bad. does take a lot for movies to be like incredibly offensive to me like yeah they really cross a line like comedies like like i like you know we can get into it like you you talk you talk about the breakfast tiffany's thing like all that like that's different but yeah. like this that maybe it's not it isn't different like oh, maybe yeah. it isn't different this movie and we talked about this a long time ago because this movie was up for oscars for music and and i think was kate was either nominated for a globe or not it got two or, golden globe nominations this mm-hmm. movie was i was john i'm surprised you actually don't remember Bro, I've never even heard of it. I've Google. I've since Google since we started talking about it. It made six hundred thousand dollars in the box office. That to me is unheard of. That's six million dollar budget. Five hundred thousand more than it should have made. I mean, like, I, like, I'll never forget when we watched the movie. I couldn't believe it. I stopped yeah. the movie 
And I remember I went back to the group and told Ken Jack and Joe's like, yo, this is insane. It, it was insane. It this is it, yeah, this is the a movie to me that is it's one of the only movies I've ever seen that was so bad it almost made me cry. Like it's amazing to me that something can be this bad. And it's funny because in recent years, there's been multiple musicals that have like bit like cats, obviously, which is just this big pile on, and it's awful. Like it's close to a zero out of a hundred movie. But like all the shit that dear Evan Hansen got which again, not a good film, this movie deserved. Like, I almost wish more people would have seen this so they could know just how awful it is. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it, sometimes you see a movie that's so bad it's good. This is like, at no point even came close to that arena. Five, literally 30 seconds into this movie, I went, oh my God, this is going to be bullshit. This is, this is going to be terrible. Like, and I never, and it actually got worse. It I, got panned by the Alliance Against Seclusion and Restraint. It got panned by the Autistic Self-Advocacy Network, it got panned for so many things. So many things. Do you remember? The craziest thing about it is that overshadowed the fact we just sucked ass. Yeah. Like it wasn't even a good, it wasn't like, oh, like that's thing that we talked about movie discourse tonight on three movies. Right. But the thing is, they were good movies. Like it was kind of like, it's a different discussion. This is, this was terrible. It's like, it's like, you don't even have like the art way of like you can't even like which pizza you could be like all oh, the art and defended it like this just like top to bottom yeah. was unreal you know what we forget about too by the way do you remember in the um the lead up to the movie being released like a, a couple of people who are like autistic actors and actresses they like tweeted at sia they're like why didn't you try to include anyone who actually is autistic like there's artistic actors trying that would love to have a role like this and you didn't try and she just responded to one and just said maybe you're just like a shitty actor <laughs> what a right. fucking no, her, asshole. Her, her response her response was basically like we tried but they were just they were just stupid and couldn't handle it so we hired somebody else and i'm not i'm not so that's like i'm i'm that's not even a joke like that's almost what she said um it's and i'm not even somebody who believes like you have to absolutely have to get like an autistic person to play an autistic person but like, don't try it and then pussy out and have your excuse be like, well, I don't know. They should have. Yeah. Like you said, they should have been a better actor. And yeah, it's it's Music. a shockingly bad movie. And what's weirder is really talented people are in it. Like Leslie Odom Jr. is so talented. Ben, dude, ben, talented. Schwartz, ben Schwartz with fucking cornrows. What happened in this? Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm having like PTSD flashbacks to this thing. It is. Yeah, it's it's one. It's maybe the worst thing. I've ever seen. <laughs> it is insane um, yeah <laughs> what this this is reminding me of i obviously have not seen the film um is i i very recently watched and i don't know why but i just did it's a, a movie i like um not a great movie by the stretch but a movie i like uh the judge with uh robert Downey jr yeah robert duvall do you, do you guys remember this movie oh yeah, yeah. kendall roy playing it's not yeah. it's not outwardly autistic but it's you know he's on the spectrum of some sort here yeah that was, I was like, holy shit, I forgot. It's weird seeing things that were just so easily accepted. You know, what was that? I'll call it 10 years ago, probably, The Judge. Mm-hmm. It was It was less than that. I think it was 2014. So it was yeah. really, it was recently, yeah. And I was, like, that, that was totally one of those Robert Downey Jr. movies. No, go ahead, fights. I was, just saying, I was just saying, like, didn't bat an eye when I first saw The Judge. And I watched it, I was like, what is Kendall doing, dude? You should have turned this one down. <laughs> That was one of those RDJ movies, like during when Marvel was picking up absurd, absurd steam. Um, it was right after Iron Man three, mm-hmm. and then he really only did Marvel, except for like a camp, like the nice guys, which he was a dead uh, body, and then Chef, which he was a cameo. 
<laughs> due um, date was somewhere right over before that. <laughs> yeah, due date was between Iron Man 2 and Venom. But this is where, like, the judge was in there where it's, like, Hollywood was like, nah, you do Marvel movies. Yeah. <laughs> like, you, nah, you don't, nah, you don't do normal movies anymore. I like the judge. And, and it, my grandfather was a judge, so it strikes emotional chords, perhaps. But I, I, I like the judge. Robert. I know I actually do too, but that is a good point you bring up, Jeff, that like since the first Iron Man outside of Marvel film and Tropic Thunder outside of Marvel films, he's made like some kind of shitty career choices. Like, you know, like the judge, which I kind of liked was not very well received. Due date at the time was not well received. The soloist was not well received, and then he did fucking Doolittle after Endgame. So like, oh man, he is, he is so going to be an Oppenheimer. The uh, Christopher Nolan, yeah. yeah, that is worth noting. And he's the man. He'll he'll find it. Um, it but that is curious that like, yeah, he, he kept rolling with Marvel. That's it. That's our. That was our our least favorite of the year. Uh what's what's next? Oh, fuck. Cherry is next week. <laughs> <laughs> Movies 2022. I are we? It's either Scream or it's. The oh, Amityville yeah, just, Karen. Um, screen. That'll be fun. Oh, fucking Amityville Karen. How did I forget? Yeah, we may have to do Amityville Karen. We have to bring Nick on for that. We talked about last <laughs> week. Or the 355 with Jessica Chastain, Lupita Nyong. Oh, that's and Netflix, we'll right? And then after that, it's Scream. Um, yeah. That's it. For fights, Chris, Ken Jack, I'm Jeff Lowe. We will talk to you next time. Have a good week at the box office, folks. Yeah.